Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It is Thursday, March 14th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another mini edition of The Backroom Deal with Chicago Reader columnist Maya Dukmasova. We welcome union man and pension guru, Jeff Johnson. And we're talking all things the 2019 runoff elections with the 45th Ward Alderman, John Arena. And now your host, not an alderman, but a union man, pension guru, and Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Uh, Wow, that's quite a a bit you added to my resume there, all those things and much more. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Tell the Truth Thursday. And here's why. So, folks, I was on the air yesterday uh, talking all things politics when the city council in its infinite wisdom voted 33 to 14 to spend about 1.3 billion. That's B with a that's billion with a B as in boy, as a bananas, as a Ben. 1.3 billion dollars of your property tax money on the Lincoln Yards development deal. So I was unable. I was doing something else. I was not able to watch the debate as illustrious as it was by the alderman in defending spending $1.3 billion, that's B, uh, billion, of with your the, property B, tax right? dollar. That is correct. That's Not to boy. get confused. B is a boy, B is a bananas, B is a Ben. Okay. Got that? B is in Beatles. B is in bad mother. Beep, focus, your mouth. Anyway, focus. focus. So I was not there at the debate to watch the defense of the $1.3 billion expenditure for the Lincoln Yards development deal. However, I was able the next day today to read the newspaper accounts, both the Sun-Times and the Tribune, accounts of the defense that were concocted by the aldermen to justify spending all that money on Lincoln Yards deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not just the aldermen defending it, Mayor Rahm. Now, folks, before I take the deep dive in what they did, let me just say this about the current mayoral election. One of the things that you as voters in the city of Chicago are being asked to do is to come up with this gut level feeling. Which of the two candidates, Lori Lightfoot, Tony Preckwinkle, are more likely to tell the truth than the other? That's like a fundamental thing you have to decide about these two candidates because really their positions on all the issues that they are very close, very similar. Both of them are withholding information as to things, basics, like how much taxes they're going to raise because they know if they get too specific, they're going to get attacked in an attack ad. So rather than get too specific, they hold back. So it's just kind of like this inkling you have to you have to take a look at where they were where they come from what they're saying now how does that relate to what they said in the past to see which one is more likely to tell the truth because ultimately you want to believe and trust your elected officials 
right? Okay, that's basic 101 of voting as an enlightened citizen in the 21st century. Let's go back to yesterday's city council debate where they passed, after which uh, be, at the city council meeting, excuse me, where they passed $1.3 billion uh, handout for Lincoln Yards. When all was said and done, Mayor Rahm had one of those moments when he was victorious. Instead of just walking away in victory and triumph, taking the high road, as Michelle Obama would suggest, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Mayor Rahm had to do a little taunting, a little chest pounding. You know, he had to get up there and, uh, as uh, John Byrne and the Chicago Tribune put it, uh, hearken back to former Mayor Richard M. Daley haranguing Alderman from the dais as he challenged naysayers to come up with a better idea than developments like Lincoln Yards to raise money to deal with Chicago's pressing financial problems. Quote, I am now going to quote your mayor, city of Chicago. You use the ability to grow in this city and the jobs to become a way to find the resources to address all the issues that individually members have asked for to be spoken to. Otherwise, you could just either cut police, fire, garbage services, or you can just tax folks. Okay. The notion here is that somehow or other, the Lincoln Yards development that we just contributed $1.3 billion to will raise taxes that will enable the next mayor, be it Preckwinkle or Lightfoot, to lower taxes. Folks, just the opposite is true. This is a TIF deal. If you know nothing else about TIF deals, and I've been trying to explain it to you for 20 years, if you know nothing else about TIF deals, it is this. It freezes the amount of property taxes that the schools, that the police, that the fires, that the pension funds can take from a TIF district. They can't get extra TIF dollars, excuse me, extra property tax dollars out of that district, no matter how many high-rises they build there, because the property tax dollars are dedicated to pay off the money it costs to build the project. The extra property tax dollars that comes from a TIF district goes to the TIF. It doesn't go to the general coffers. And so, when they create a TIF district, they have to raise your property tax dollars to compensate for the money they're not getting from the TIF district. I've explained this like a million times. Mayor Rahm just sits there and smiles and says, I don't care what the truth is. I'll just say any old thing. So he gets up in front of the city council with the entire press corps there, D, and he says, we need to do this because it will help pay all the bills we have when he knows it's just the opposite. So he has failed Big, fat, F, failed. The most basic test of telling the truth. Here's the issue with the Lincoln Park deals and ter- Lincoln Park TIF deal in terms of how it affects the property tax dollars. You have to decide, people, if you want to spend extra ta- tax dollars building this thing. That's what you have to decide. If you think it's in the best interest of the city of Chicago to forego property tax dollars to build this thing, then you should support it. But supporting it You have to acknowledge that it's going to raise your property taxes because you're still going to need to pay off all the obligations for your pensions, for your firefighters, for your police, for your schools, for your teachers, for your mental health clinics, to pave your roads, to fix those bridges. All these pressing needs that we have as a civilization in the city of Chicago still exist. We just can't use the property tax dollars collected from Lincoln Yards to help pay them. Shame, shame on Mayor Rahm for not telling the truth. Let's hope the people of Chicago have finally caught on.
We have a great show today, everybody. We have Maya Dubasova, my partner in crime from the Chicago Reader, will be here at 1.30. We'll be talking all the political issues of the day. Jeff Johnson from the city of Chicago and um, our union man will be here at 2 o'clock. This man is an expert on pension issues. Uh, we're going to take the deep dive into pension talk and probably do a little Lincoln Yard talk with him as well. Try to figure out where to find the money we need to pay our bills. John Arena, Alderman John Arena from the 45th Ward. He, uh, two-term alderman, lost... Uh, his bid for re-election in February. So we'll be talking to John about the running campaign in the 21st century in the city of Chicago, the ups and downs of that. And he was also there yesterday for that city council debate on not just the um, Lincoln Yards TIF deal, but the police academy as well. So interesting to hear what John has to say, what went down in the Chicago city council yesterday. In other words, politics, 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 and politics will be on the agenda for conversation today. But before we do any of that, get into any of that political discussion the young man from Alton, illinois has the news update with that city council meeting you were talking about yesterday a lot of stuff went down we're going to be stuff. talking about another story in our uh, what else is news segment but first it's the middle of the day let's talk about the national news happening this afternoon ben jarofsky we have another 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 2020 democratic presidential candidate for months he's been the in the uh, rumored to run category in fact the uh, second he lost his texas senatorial race against well no one's favorite ted cruz back in november we saw this one coming make room scooch over watch your feet <laughs> new candidate coming through yeah. people robert aka beto o'rourke is officially running for president of the united states and you know Say what you will about <laughs> Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. He does have one thing going for him. Unlike a handful of these 2020 POTUS hopefuls, yeah, he's not really old. No, he's a young guy. Beto yeah. O'Rourke, 46 years old. Guys, uh, compared to Bernie Sanders, 46, that's like a baby. <laughs> a baby Beto. Baby, uh-oh. Uh, uh, Donald Trump, if you're listening, <laughs> you got your new uh, nickname yeah, there. Trump's struggling on that front, yeah. coming up with a nickname for Beto, but uh, continue, young man. And because I uh, I guess it's what you do these days, O'Rourke made the announcement via online video. Beto's first pitch entering the 2020 race is a call for Americans to look past their differences in order to confront the challenges facing the country. So without further ado, here's our newest, newest, newest 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, Beto O'Rourke, and joined with him is his wife. Here's the uh, video. Amy and I are happy to share with you that I'm running to serve you as the next president of the United States of America. This is a defining moment of truth for this country and for every single one of us. The challenges that we face right now, the interconnected crises in our economy, our democracy, and our climate have never been greater, and they will either consume us or they will afford us the greatest opportunity to unleash the genius of the United States of America. In other words, this moment of peril produces perhaps the greatest moment of promise for this country and for everyone inside of it. We can begin by fixing our democracy and ensuring that our government works for everyone and not just for corporations. We can invest in the dignity of those who work. Okay, apparently he's a talker. <laughs> Beto works a talker. Still going there. All right, we'll check in on uh, okay. with Beto a little later here. Apparently he's got a lot to say. But hey, Beto O'Rourke, 2020, Ben Jarofsky, what do you think about Beto's All chances? Right, Beto O'Rourke, just to remind everybody, Beto O'Rourke is a former congressman from Texas who ran for senator in the 2018 election against Ted Cruz and uh, really fired up a lot of people, myself included, uh, with some of his... Uh, oh, you were feeling the Beto. I was feeling better when he was running for senator against uh, Ted Cruz. Remember, I remember that moment. 
where Better O'Rourke was a dealing. I think it was uh, it was at some kind of Q and A Q&A with the constituents, and somebody asked him a question regarding uh, Colin Kaepernick. And the, the, the question, the questionnaire was clearly opposed to the notion that Colin Kaepernick, the uh, quarter, the former quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, so he was opposed. The person asking the question was opposed to the notion that Colin Kaepernick should have the freedom, the First Amendment protected freedom to take a knee uh, during the national anthem. And Better O'Rourke gave a very uh, persuasive, in my humble opinion, response by saying what makes America great is that we uh, uphold the right for First Amendment protected free speech and that uh, even if you disagree with Colin Kaepernick's political position, you should respect his right to express himself, et cetera, et cetera. So he gave this very uh, uh, high-minded defense of Colin Kaepernick. Now, I happen to be a big fan of Colin Kaepernick. Everybody knows it. And uh, so I, I really applauded his attempt to sort of uh, find common ground on a very controversial issue that Donald Trump was really uh, pounding like on like a like it was a drum to try to divide us. So I was I was encouraged by uh, his ability to try find to try to find a common ground between folks on this very controversial issue who despise Colin Kaepernick or support Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he lost that election, Beto O'Rourke did, and uh, so he decided to take the popularity. Uh, that um, he earned the notoriety they earned and used for a presidential run. I'm not so certain about this next leap. Uh, he seems to be following uh, the uh, Obama uh, path, uh, D, where um, it's almost as though people want to buy into this idealistic young figure uh, who represents so much the greatness, the potential of America. Uh, in contrast to Donald Trump, who just sort of represents, you know, the uh, the divisiveness and the hatreds and the rivalries and the uh, ethnic and uh, 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 racial divides in this country. So he, he has this like uh, inspirational sort of vibe he wants to emanate without any specifics on issues. And I'm not sure that's going to translate into this current uh, political climate. It worked, yes, for Barack Obama in 2007 and 2008 when he ran for president. I'm not quite certain uh, it'll work in this day and age. And one interesting contrast, uh, Beto O'Rourke uh, lost, as I said, to Ted Cruz in 2018. Barack Obama was, had, was victorious. Uh, he had already he won. You know, he he won as a U.S. Uh, his senatorial candidacy here in um, uh, in Illinois. So he was already a, a sitting U.S. senator when he ran. So it seems like the bar is lowering on what is expected of a person just from like a background, what he's achieved in his life. All right, let's check in with Beto and see if he's still going. Creativity. Okay, yep, still going. <laughs> Boy, this guy's a talker. Want to ensure that we squarely okay. confront the challenge of climate change before it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. You know, climate change is an important issue. A little specificity would help. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's going strong. Now, by the way, it's his first. Visit. He's in Iowa. I think he made that pitch in Iowa. It's his first visit to Iowa. Nice. You know, they all go to Iowa, which is a funny thing. You know, they rushed. I love Iowa. The farms. <laughs> going to most up. confused. Well, <laughs> Iowans are who's this guy and uh you know at least Barack Obama <clears throat> excuse me is just across the river from Iowa you know Texas is oh, ge geography D Texas is down here Iowa's up there oh, thank you there's a map thank you for that geography <laughs> lesson so Wait, the, Iowa's up Texas yeah, down yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, yeah. Iowans are like who's this guy huh wow Beto O'Rourke what do you think about that see and our climate oh, okay. have never been greater and they will either consume us 
or they will afford us to. Oh, okay, uh, he's right. a talker. Yeah, he's a he's talker. A talker. But if he, his attitude is <clears throat> if he can get uh, enough Iowans to to fall in line, yeah, he can have that. Uh, you know, it all turned for Obama when he won Iowa in 2008. So. All right. I also, need a drink of water. Yeah, get that water, buddy. Man, goodness. He's on fire today, people. Riffing. Okay. Also jumping in the race or, I don't know, maybe casually hopping. He's no youngin' <laughs> like Beto, okay? No. Uh, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper. He's 67 years old. Ben, what say you on Hickenlooper's chances of becoming president? Uh, not that good, John uh, Hickenlooper from uh, Colorado, former uh, governor of Colorado. I think he's former mayor of Denver. Uh, he's the one. You remember... <laughs> a funny memory from the 2018 gubernatorial campaign. Uh, our former governor, remember him, everybody? Bruce Rauner uh, was really against, for reasons I'll never quite understand, the legalization Wait, of marijuana. Br- Bruce Rauner, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yay for our teacher! Uh, Yay for our teacher! Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. I, I kind of miss Bruce Rauner. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> anyway, Rauner was against the legalization of marijuana. Not quite sure why. Whatever. Anyway, he was against the legalization. You would think that a libertarian-styled Republican would be for legalization of marijuana, less government uh, excursion, you know, intrusion into our lives. But whatever, Rauner had his reasons. Anyway, he was against it. And one of the reasons he cited was, oh, I had a conversation with Governor Hickenlooper. Remember that day? Oh, I had a conversation. He said, slow uh, yeah. up, slow up. Uh, up with hope, down with dope. And, uh... <laughs> I remember that. Hickenlooper, of course, was the governor in Colorado when they legalized marijuana. Uh, and Hickenlooper was not for the legalization of marijuana at first. Interesting enough, he made his fortune, I believe, uh, running restaurants and bars. So you think a guy in the restaurant and bar business would be like a little sympathetic to legalizing reefer since half his patrons are smoking it to begin with, right, D? I don't know, man. But anyway, so um, uh, Hickenlooper, uh, but he came around to it. It's a big money maker for the state of Colorado. So Hickenlooper, uh, you know, he's going to try to run as a man who, with expertise as opposed to Beto O'Rourke, who's going to try to run as a man with a vision. We don't know what specifics he's going to have, but he has a vision. He sees things that we don't see. So we got Beto and Hickenlooper. We're still waiting for a certain former vice president to run. He teased that he would a week ago, and many say he'd have a shot at winning the whole thing here. Ben calls him Grandpa Joe <laughs> because, yes— also, really old <laughs> Joe Biden. Uh, oh, and hey, right now, post it on both our Facebook yeah. and Twitter pages, at Benny J Show. Find him now. We're asking for your thoughts on the POTUS announcement from one Beto O'Rourke. On the Facebook page, a simple question. Beto for president? Quite a few of you have reached out, and we will be reading your comments in the second hour of our program. Go find our post on Beto and weigh in with your thoughts now. And right now on Twitter, this is pretty cool. I uh, figured out how to do this. I'm becoming quite the uh, millennial here with Twitter. <laughs> no, you really are. I'm man. trying, all right? I uh, tweet and delete. I'm learning, all right? This is pretty cool. I posted a poll question to everyone. Uh, the question, Beto or work for president? Yay, nay, <laughs> or meh? Yeah. There you go. Benny J, let's read our uh, poll results thus far. What do you say? That sounds like a good idea. All right. Right now, like I said, it's posted on the Twitter page here, and it looks like we got... Oh, I got to get my uh, intense music. All right. (laughs) Looking at the poll here. Don't sing that stupid (laughs) song. Don't sing that stupid (laughs) song. Um, It's a good song. Conquistador. Sorry. No, that's fine. (laughs) All right. So, Beto O'Rourke for president. Yay, nay, or meh. Right now, the nays have it. All right. 45% of you say nay on a Beto O'Rourke presidential uh, win in 2020. Presidential uh, run. There we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, 22% say yay, and 33% are at meh. Yeah, meh. Okay, wait. 
we just, breaking news. Beto just dropped. He saw that poll on our Twitter server. He's out. <laughs> He's endorsing Hickenlooper. Right, no, now, just kidding, uh, folks. We're, we're going to keep this poll open until the beginning of tomorrow's show because mm-hmm. we have so many listeners who download the program. We want to let everyone else uh, get in on that as well. The poll question again, Beto for president, yay, nay, or meh. All right. You know, the funny little aside in all this is uh, what nickname uh, will President Trump come up with for Beto O'Rourke and Hickenlooper? You know, he always like that's one of his things. He gets together with his strategy. We got to have a funny nickname. You know, Crooked Hillary. Uh, what was the one for Cruz? For Lion Ted. Ted. Lion Ted. You know, it was small hands, something or other. Boring Jet. I don't know. Uh, low energy. Low energy. But that, he, yeah, I guess it's two words. You have to come up with one. Anyway, and he's. Little Marco. He, little Marco. That's what it was. Very effective. Re- Republicans really like it. And uh, so he is. I think he's using the word crazy now for just about every Democrat. Uh, Bernie Sanders is crazy Bernie. I, he came up with crazy for Beto. Hey, Donald, come on. You can't use the same nickname for more than <laughs> no, one candidate. He, he had one a few days ago for Bernie Sanders. It kind of cracks me up. The nutty professor. The nutty professor. All right. Yeah, that'll. we'll see how that one <laughs> flies. But you can't. For, he, okay, so I guess he's abandoned crazy for Sanders. So I guess he's going to use that for Beto anyway. And now, of course, we will keep you posted on this as today's program rolls along. Benny J, quick question hmm. for you. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You ready to find out what is indeed the Dilly with the Dally in Chicago and or Illinois? I was born ready. I love that answer. It's a fantastic answer. And Ben, why don't you go ahead and get that piece of paper and read about this event coming up? Because oh. after you do that, people, we are going to find out what else is news. All right, everybody. Join the Chicago Sun-Times at our upcoming Hear Our Voice Community Forum and dive even deeper into Chicago politics. The first forum was held last night. You're kidding. At, at the DeSalvo Museum of African American History in Hyde Park. There were stories about it in the Sun-Times. You can read all about it. Uh, and the second forum is Monday, March 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Arturo Velasquez Institute in Pilsen. One more time. Monday, March 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Arturo Velasquez Institute in Pilsen and features panelists Mark Brown and Carl Ballesteros from the Sun-Times, Rosanna Marquez from AARP, my old friend Fernando Diaz from the Chicago Reporter. When you see Fernando, tell him Ben said hi. Best of all, these events are free. Did you hear that, D? Whoa. Yeah, free. Free. F-R-E-E. I love that word. Yeah, it doesn't cost money, baby. <laughs> For sign-up details, go to suntimes.com. All right, so there you go. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for what else is news. And Ben, mm-hmm. I feel like we've been, or we're going to be channeling our inner TMZ mm-hmm. for uh, this afternoon segment. A lot of Twitter updates and a lot of he said he said involved in this story. Mm-hmm. So Chance the rapper turns out he's still involved in uh, Illinois politics. Mm-hmm. The Chicago-based rapper has made local headlines on quite a few occasions in the last couple of years. He's uh, trashed our former governor via song lyrics, and boy, does it feel great adding former to that title. Bruce Rauner. Oh. Teachers! Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers. Uh, he once publicly humiliated Mayor Rahm Emanuel at a city council meeting. Ben, remember that? And uh, Rahm snuck out the back door. Remember yes, that? Yes, Rahm's good at that. That was real funny. Mm-hmm. He brought the Chicago news website, The Chicagoist, back, uh, made a series of YouTube videos all about Chicago aldermen, and more notably, along with Kanye West, Chance the Rapper gave a political endorsement, $400,000, to the now former Chicago mayoral candidate and yesterday's guest on The Ben Jarofsky Show, one Amara Inya. By the way, you can download our show with Amara Inya right now, but of course, after you listen to today's show, go listen to that. You can find it at both the Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. The show link is on the top of the page. Tell your friends. But we are waiting to see what chance the rapper's next political move would have been. 
uh, once Inya was out of the race. And surprisingly, it only took about two weeks to find out his next up political endeavor here in Chicago. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Tina Sfondelez. Chance the Rapper waded into an aldermanic war on Wednesday, highlighting to his 8 million-plus Twitter followers. Uh, I will never see that. Ben. 8 million. That's a lot of followers. Oh my goodness. All right. Uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he shared this uh, tweet that Alderman Nick Spizzato, real quick, pop quiz, what ward, Nick Spizzato? Oh, it's now the 38th ward. Oh, my God. What a nerd this guy is. All right. He said that Alderman Nick Spizzato helped to support a fund yeah. for the Chicago police officer who fatally shot 19-year-old Quintonio Greer and his neighbor Betty Jones. Now there is way more to this story, like a lot more. So let's pause and unpack everything here. This all began about a week ago when another former guest of the show, 35th Ward Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, took to Twitter. And uh, side note here, Carlos, dude, I need you to teach me a few things about Twitter because you are really good at it, <laughs> no, man. He Carlos went viral and everything. Yeah, Carlos is the man when oh. it comes to Twitter. After Chicago, well, he's man, a millennial. I, I'm telling you, a damn good one. Too. Yeah, all right, he's a real millennial, yeah. unlike you. Yeah, right? I know, right? Like you're like a he's. You got to give your millennial card in, okay? Oh, I'm not a millennial. I'm broke. I can't afford anything. I like free stuff. Oh, I'm feeling great about myself today. But no, after Chicago mayoral candidate Lori Lightfoot accepted the support of Chicago. Firefighters Union Local 2 and a photo op picture of Lori with Alderman Nick Spazzato and Anthony Napolitano. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, what word? Napolitano? What 41st. Ward? Come on. Good 41st. Lord. By the way, no phone. No phone. No phone. Not at all. Just a pure, true nerd, guys. <laughs> On Tuesday, Ramirez Rosa took the pick and tweeted that both Spazzato and Napolitano mm-hmm. are the, quote, council's two most conservative and anti-immigrant members. Mm-hmm. Ramirez Rosa also shared a petition created by members of Chicago's immigrant community calling for Lightfoot to reject the aldermanic endorsements and saying Lightfoot, quote, has been silent about the support she received. Uh, If you couldn't tell, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, an avid supporter of Tony Preckwinkle. uh, And you better believe that Tony Preckwinkle for mayor campaign ran with this news when they heard it. Here's the quote from the Preckwinkle campaign, quote, how can Lightfoot accept support from someone capable of such discrimination and bullying? Mm-hmm. If this is the type of company Lightfoot keeps, how can she be trusted as mayor? By the way, the magic number is 19, 19 <laughs> days until our Chicago yeah. mayoral runoff election. All right, now let's fast forward to this week. Mm-hmm. Right before Wednesday's city council meeting, Alderman Ramirez Rosa was greeted by Alderman Spazzato. And because Carlo is, like I said before, amazing at Twitter. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah, we can take some notes. Mm-hmm. He shared the following exchange with all of his followers. Here's the tweet from Ramirez Rosa today. Uh, it says here, as I entered the council chamber for a committee meeting and walked past Alderman Spazzato, he told me, hey, Carlos, I got something for you to tweet out. Tweet out that Alderman Spazzato said you're a pile of S-H-I-T beep. <laughs> Wait, did it have the beep in the tweet? No. Okay. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. We got to clean it up here. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what Carlos did. Mm-hmm. He went to Twitter. The, tw- uh, the tweet also includes a video of Spazzato yeah. doubling down and repeating the remark. All right, so there we're there. We're good there. Now here's where Chance the Rapper comes into play. And uh, Alderman Ramirez Rosa, you should feel flattered, buddy, because Chance the Rapper follows Carlos Ramirez Rosa on Twitter. Carlos knows Twitter. He's not playing around. Chance the Rapper came across the Alderman series of tweets and video, and he responded, uh, adding a little more fuel to the fire here. Chance the Rapper said, quote, hey, that Spazzato guy is the one who paid legal fees for the cop that killed Mm -hmm. Betty Jones, right? 
Spazzato in January 2018 pitched $100 into a GoFundMe campaign set up as a legal defense fund for the officer. Chance also included Rosa's lengthy Twitter thread, and because he's Chance the Rapper, it has now gone more viral than anything we'll ever tweet here on the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show. But that about covers uh, it, all right? Yeah. So, Ben Jarofsky, yeah. I know you uh, mentioned this briefly yesterday, uh-huh. but please share your thoughts on uh, this with us here. Two questions. Is Spazzato as bad as Carlos Ramirez Rosa says? And, elephant in the room, who does Chance the Rapper have in the mayor's race? Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Well, Lake my for? guess uh, is that Chance the Rapper will probably vote for Tony Preckwinkle. And that is just a guess. Chance's father, a longtime political operative in the city of Chicago, is supporting uh, Tony Preckwinkle. So, that's just a guess. And um, listen, Carlos Ramirez Rosa is uh, one of the most forceful and articulate uh, progressive uh, spokespeople in the city of Chicago. I give him a shout out on that front. He's also a great counterpuncher. And when he was on the show last week, I was teasing him. Uh, He learned a lot at Whitney Young High School from the Whitney Young debate team. He really knows how to counterpunch. He's very effective uh, in, in the way he uses Twitter. And he has raised what I consider to be a legitimate issue, and that is should Lori Lightfoot take the support of Nick Spazzato, Alderman Nick Spazzato and Alderman Napolitano, both of whom are conservative. Now, I don't know Napolitano. I know Nick. I go back with Nick. I got mixed feelings about this whole issue because on one hand, I know the Nick Spazzato who first ran for Alderman way back when in 2006 or 2007, whenever it was, I'm losing track of, of the years. And he was very much a reformer. He was a firefighter. He was a stand-up guy. I remember him inviting me out to the Northwest side to speak to a group of aspiring uh, Alderman, these are candidates who had never run before, or running for the first time or second time maybe, uh, and they wanted to know about TIFFs. And there I was, explaining what else, at a pizza restaurant somewhere on the northwest side of Chicago, and Nick was a firefighter back in those days. He took on a very powerful political organization, the 36th War Democratic Organization, a lot of guts to do that, stood up to the Banks family, was victorious. And uh, he also stood up to Mayor Rahm in about 2011 on a charter school in his ward. He stood with the teachers in 2012. Let's get the facts out there about Nick Spazzato, very pro-labor, very pro-union, stood with the teachers in their strike in 2012. One of the few aldermen who would do that, even though he knew uh, that Mayor Rahm wasn't going to like it very much. Uh, that was I remember him coming to the stage when they had a big rally in the um, Daily Plaza when Karen Lewis was running the show. And she was giving a speech, and uh, so Nick Spazzato stood there. In the last few years, he's taken a drift to the right. I disagree with him on 99% of the issues that he raises. Wish he wasn't so right-wing. He's heading into Trump country. Nick, you know, you and I disagree on everything from um, uh, gay rights to um, immigrant rights to Chicago as a sanctuary city, et cetera, et cetera. But it's hard for me to completely throw Nick Spazzato under the bus and then drive over him. Carlos Ramirez Rosa? He doesn't know about that history. He sees what's up in front of him right now. Uh, Nick Spazzato's record on on all these issues, these social issues of the day, and he's going to use it effectively because he knows it could stir up voters, get voters to vote, move from Lightfoot to Preckwinkle. That's what he's doing. He's a very effective counterpuncher. He's working the game for Tony Preckwinkle. That's what it's all about. It's politics in the city of Chicago, D. I can't blame him for doing it. I have a feeling that it, the Lightfoot campaign would be doing the same thing if they had to. So that's what's going on. Folks, if this issue is so important that if the issue of whether Lori Lightfoot has a right-wing supporter, 
is very, so important to you that that's the uh, swing swing point in this election. You know what I mean? The most influential uh, issue that faced, then I guess you can't vote for Lori Lightfoot. But I think there's many, many other issues also on the table. All right. And uh, I think I know your answer based on the statement you made there. But I'll ask anyway, Preckwinkle or Lightfoot, whose chance the rapper got? Oh, I, I would I would say he's going to vote for Tony Preckwinkle. Tony That's my guess. Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah. There you are. So just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago. Chance the Rapper. Boy, one day we're going to get that popular on Twitter. Oh, right, man. As Chance and Carlos. Carlos is the king, man. <laughs> the king of Twitter. But, hey, now you'll have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? All right, let me tell you something. Tell me. All right, something that better O'Rourke. Oh, okay. Dicky Bats of the Almond Brothers. <laughs> What's the co- oh bet uh, bet oh, and stretching and, today again and bet you by golly wow one of my favorite oh, songs all right bet you by golly no wow okay sorry man they all agree you did a great job give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash we got Maya coming up we we'll right back after this. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read The Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. All right, everybody, the Ben Jarofsky Show. I don't know if you knew this or not, but we're powered by unions. That's right, and a bunch of them. These hardworking men and women were kind enough to get behind us in this online podcasting adventure. So before we go any further here, we would like to thank the following unions for making this show possible. First up, the International Association of uh, Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8. Uh, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Big thank you to those unions. And, of course, major shout-out to our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. The Ben Jarofsky Show continues right now. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, here we are live in our beautiful studio at the Chicago Sun-Times. Billy and Maya Dukmasova, my partner crime from the Chicago Reader, is with us. It's Thursday with Maya, and uh, I was momentarily distracted because Maya handed me the latest the latest copy of the Chicago Reader, our beloved Chicago Reader, Maya. So I'm going to show it to all our listeners, a real show newspaper. Show those listeners, please. <laughs> yeah. It's just the plant issue, it's right? It's our first ever plant issue. This was a themed issue where most of the stuff we published this week has something to do with plants, agriculture, horticulture, farming. And even you managed to write a story about tips <laughs> relating to plants. Because I said it was about fertilization. That mm-hmm. was a, a bit of a stretch, but uh, whatever. By the way. He certainly has a wheelhouse. I, uh, <laughs> tips. But uh, yeah, I could go on and on. But yeah, though, it's a, it's a great issue. And um, the cover is uh, delightful. It's a beautiful cover. Man, the reader's really feeling it, Maya. 
It's kicking ass. You know, it's kicking ass. And uh, so, yeah, get, uh, check it out, folks. Uh, you can actually get the real newspaper. Uh, yeah. Just any box anywhere in the city of Chicago, or you can read it online. Uh, it's great for starting your grills later and uh, <laughs> lining your bird cages. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Amaya is a, a millennial, so she's more of the read it online persuasion. And I'm an old geezer, and I love my reader. In the I newspaper. like it in paper version too. Do you like it yeah. in paper version too? All right. Uh, let's just talk about the good news that we have to announce. Uh, I don't know if you want to make the announcement or I want to make the announcement, but why don't you make the announcement? About Backroom Deal? Yes. Backroom yeah, deal. so people have been asking us a lot about what's going on with Backroom Deal, our podcast, and we're going to have uh, a, a fresh batch of episodes for you uh, in short order coming up um, before the election, obviously, so stay tuned for that. Um, I'm excited to give folks some updates about what's going on in these wards. Yeah, and uh, Young Dennis will be producing yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. segments. And I know it's short order, but I got a little intro uh, made. I don't know if you can, you can use it if you want. If not, I don't know. But uh, here we go. The backroom deal. <laughs> the door closed. Yeah. Very good. Right. I like the, What is that, like a ship? A foghorn? I don't know. This is like a scary noise, you know? Backroom deal. Oh, my God. Backroom deals. That's what happens when you uh, walk in on Mike Madigan. <laughs> exactly. In the state house bathroom. Uh, all right. Now, speaking of backroom deals, uh, yesterday's city council meeting, they were, the backroom deals had probably happened before the meeting. Yesterday was the official public uh, uh, approval of them. Yeah. Uh, I was on the air when the, the votes went down. I've already been haranguing against the TIF deal, which uh, was bad enough. But to have Mayor Rahm just completely distort was at stake. Uh, it, like tripled down on it. Uh, there was also the Cop Academy vote. We talked a lot about that yesterday, Maya, when the Mara Enya was on the show. And um, Maria Haddon from the 49th Ward mm-hmm. was also on the show, the newly elected alderman. Uh, tell folks a little bit about the, the issues at stake and the Cop Academy. You've been following this for a long time. Yeah, so basically the the the... This all, this is all uh, hinging around this new police and fire training academy um, that Mayor Rahm uh, wanted to uh, build in the 37th Ward on the west side. So this is in the West Garfield Park area, uh, right around the corner from uh, Orr High School. Uh, and it's on a parcel of land that was actually privately owned by some kind of industrial, like it was, I think it's like industrially zoned land or something like that it's not it's not um it's not in use now but it was privately owned the land was uh then sold to the city and uh now the city is going to build uh this police academy and yesterday what they approved was um uh the uh acom like that that's going to be who's going to build the, the the academy and so a couple years ago mayor Rahm announced that this new police academy was going to be built like on a 4th of July weekend, like on a Friday before the 4th of July weekend. So the news went completely under the radar and essentially uh, the justification for why we need a $95 million uh, police academy was that um, the DOJ report on uh, police misconduct in the Department of Justice. Right, the Department of Justice report on police misconduct in the city that came out um, in January of 2017 said that, you know, uh, the the, the police need better training. And one of the 99 recommendations that they made was that the facilities that were used for training was out of date. So the... 
people who organized this campaign against the police academy, the No Cop Academy uh, campaign, they later did a bunch of FOIAs and they figured out that like actually this like new police and fire training academy was in the works for a really long time, long before the DOJ report. And that essentially the DOJ report coming out and this recommendation about new facilities was just a way to sort of sell the idea, oh, like the cops and firefighters need a new facility. And like the DOJ says that it's going to it's needed to improve our policing. Never mind the fact that there was never any actual explanation for how having a swimming pool or a new or new classrooms or like uh, just a new uh, gym or whatever is going to, you know, do anything about like the values that are taught to the cops and and change the value system that animates that that was over and over and over again cited in the DOJ report and in the police accountability task force research about like cops in the city of Chicago having fundamental, you know, like basic lack of respect for black lives. So, um, all of that, not all of that was like not explained, like how a new police academy was going to fix that problem. So it was just the messaging was better training, better training, better training. Our cops need better training. So we need this academy. So a bunch of kids, like a bunch of young people, the same people who were behind the Buy Anita campaign against Anita Alvarez, uh, the former state's attorney who um, lost her reelection to Kim Fox a few years ago, really over the Laquan McDonald scandal. So the same people who had organized against her organized against this police academy and uh there were a lot of young people involved in this push they would boycott meetings of aldermen you know they would boycott city council meetings they would show up in various places yell no cop academy they had all kinds of like um you know they foiled a bunch of information they did a big public information campaign but carlos rosa who had started voting no on various components that needed to be in place to create this police academy. He was the first person, he was the first alderman to start voting no on some of these components. His whole uh, line of reasoning around this was very interesting, I thought, from the beginning. He said that the police academy, in addition to being like a stupid way to spend $95 million when there are so many more pressing needs in our city, he said that... um, basically this was going to be a way to start gentrifying that part of the West side. And he went back to the history of the current police and fire training Academy, which is on the near West side, actually not far from here um, in Walter Burnett's ward. And he talked about Carlos talks about, I remember doing an interview with him and he talked about how, you know, this was, this is a way to establish uh, a, a certain kind of presence in the neighborhood, putting a lot of uh, p- putting a big city facility like that, bringing in a lot of first responders, communicates that this is a neighborhood that's changing, that there are that this is a safer place now to people who don't think it's safe. And over time, I mean, you see what's going on around here now. This is not this is the land on which the current police academy is now is way too valuable. Like there are people who are like salivating to get that land to use it to build like a, probably some big condo building or some other big development so meanwhile uh you've got this uh parcel of land on the west side that um carlos's theory was that this was just going to be a way to start gentrifying over there because a lot of developers are looking at the west side more so than the i think the south side because the west side is closer to it the west side is kind of narrow and that part of chicago though it has some of the poorest neighborhoods in the city it's geographically much closer to downtown and it's a much smaller area than the south side which is vast 
All right. Now, I've had this uh, discussion with Carlos uh, when he's been on the air about this whole issue. And the, and the, the facility that he's alluding to is actually across the street from Whitney Young High School, the, right. the original the, yeah. the police academy where, where young Carlos was a, a young scholar mm-hmm. uh, about <laughs> 10 years ago. I may have mentioned that already. He was on the debate team. Anyway, so uh, uh, Carlos could see when he was uh, a student at Whitney Young, the recruits, the police recruits would be jogging around the neighborhood. And um, but listen. There has to be investment in low-income blighted communities. There has to be some kind of investment. And uh, the, the counter-argument to the one that, may, uh, that Carlos raises and other people raise in terms of police academy is that um, if you put a city facility uh, in a neighborhood like Garfield Park that's hurting for investment, then the people who come to that facility will want to shop in the area, that you'll they'll look to uh, spend their money in that area so that it could also help businesses in that surrounding community. It could also establish just a presence uh, in their area, a sign that this is a place that you would want to invest in a community. So I, I could see the argument for uh, investing in a neighborhood. That's what the TIF program is all about. That's what anti-poverty economic development programs are all about. Uh, So I have a hard time jumping aboard a uh, protest that's against a specific investment in a neighborhood. I see the point in the symbolism of spending so much money on a, a, a training facility for police, at the same time you're closing mental health clinics, etc. You know, you understand. So, in other words, if they were building a mental health clinic on that block, I don't know would people object to it. You can make the same principle that the therapists who work there will just yeah, like the I don't recruits. think people would be objecting to this if they were building a ninety-five million dollar mental health clinic or an outpost of a hospital or or any number of other types of uh, other types of services. And but the thing is that this, so this this parcel of land is also in a TIF district, mm-hmm. and now this land goes from being potentially used to be gen- generating property taxes to being city-owned land that's not going to generate any property taxes so so it's gonna the city's gonna spend money and make no money in a tiff district which is supposed to exist in order to make more money to promote economic development that's maya dubasova she sounds like me (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like something i would say and if you just tuned in you're listening to (laughs) the back room deal uh, yeah, with my. Ben and Maya. Why does that sound like some sort of? It sounds like sports. It's a foghorn. It sounds like it sounds like a, this sounds like a, something I'd hear at a baseball game. Oh, it's kind of like you know the scary movie noise. <laughs> oh, that's what that is. It's a scary movie. But scary you know, the, the sound, the sound is scary, but the the tone of voice that says backroom oh, deal okay. sounds like it's it's uh it's in a different context <laughs> than the sound. <laughs> And, uh, well, we're, we're still working on the production. All right, working on it, working on it. <laughs> Next time it'll be better. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. D. All right, Maya. So that was the no cap, uh, the cop Academy oh, yeah. and firefighter Academy, well, the vote that went down yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but what's, so what's significant about that vote is that yesterday, eight people, eight aldermen voted against it. Well, one of them was John arena who, you know, I'm sure he'll talk to you about it more, yeah, but like he, he's got nothing to lose on this issue now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, before he, he did not, went back two years ago when Carlos was voting no, John Arena was telling me that he was not voting no because of this and that. And I remember calling you about it and, and asking, like, does this, like, sound right? And you said to me, Maya, John Arena just put the spin on you. He doesn't want to be, on you know, on the record against this issue because he's got a tough re-election and he's got a lot of first responders in his ward. So anyway, now he's voting no, you know, voting his values now that it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> So well, and, it always does matter. Well, yes, okay, yeah. it, it matters. It always matters. But then you had Leslie Hairston and Deb Mel both mm-hmm. vote no. What okay. a Mel is voting no on a police academy, uh, you know, which is like significant. But both of them are clearly voting no on this because they've got very tough re-election runoff elections mm-hmm. in a few weeks against progressive leftist challenges. Yeah. So this is definitely like them feeling the heat of that and trying to, you know, I think do something that uh, signals to the voters that they're still, that, that, that they have some kind of progressive cred. And then the rest, so, so the rest of the people that voted no, you know, Carlos Rosa, of course, again, Scott Wagaspak, not surprising. Amaya Pawar, again, nothing to lose. Sue Garza. Well, uh, then, wait, Amaya Pawar is running for treasurer. Right, but he's not, but he's running as a progressive candidate for treasurer. So it's as important to him as it is to Mel to be on what he considers the right political well, side. Yeah. Okay, true, right. And then this is, maybe you have a comment about this. R- Maldonado. <laughs> Roberto Maldonado. What? Like, I have not heard anything about him being on the record on this issue ever. And he voted no on this and the Lincoln Yards. Yeah. What's well, his deal? His ward is changing. His ward, uh, it, it, well, I could do it. His ward used to be a predominantly Hispanic ward and is becoming um, more, quote unquote, progressive. It's like a spillover from Logan Square. And oh, so yeah. you're, I'm watching, I've been watching him move. If, if you could figure these votes on uh, TIF allocation are like the equivalent of a left and a right, I've been watching him move to the left. Be interesting what Jeff Johnson has to say, who'll be our next guest. He really studies these aldermen uh, and the, the, the machinations, machinations of the politics in the city council. But you can see this starting uh, like north side politics infiltrating the near west side uh, and moving out to the northwest. Some of the greatest champions of uh, TIF reform are guys like Arena, et cetera, mm-hmm. from the uh, even Spazzato back in the day. Nick Spazzato yeah. back in the day would be known to uh, uh, stand up against TIF deals. So, uh, by the way, I just have to say this. Mm-hmm. Yesterday we have Mara Enya on the show mm-hmm. and we were talking about the police academy and she had with her a gentleman uh, who's her karate teacher her martial arts teacher, I didn't know this, but she studies martial arts, and he, uh, his name is Q, and Q will be a guest on our show next. We're gonna bring Q on, because he had some very interesting observations to make, not so much about spending $95 million to build an academy, but more to the point, what happens in the academy? What is taught to the young recruits, the young men and women who want to be Chicago police officers? I think that's the fundamental issue uh, that we should be facing, Maya, when we think about our future in terms of policing uh, uh, black communities, poorer communities in the city of Chicago. And uh, so I'm really happy to bring this gentleman on because he's going to talk about techniques that police can use to avoid uh, using a gun if they're afraid or if they feel they're endangered, what they could do, what kind of martial arts they might use, what kind of um, tech tactics and techniques, mental tactics and techniques they could use. So it'd be interesting to bring him on and get into the issue of, okay, if this academy is indeed coming and it doesn't look like they have the votes to stop it, what will be taught in the academy? Right, yeah. I think that's a fundamental question and that's something that is completely independent of the infrastructure that surrounds it this is about who is doing the teaching what's taught but 
as the Department of Justice report repeatedly also pointed out, the so much of the 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 values system of the police department, the problematic value system that 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 is fundamentally you know discriminatory and racist in a lot of ways, that process, that kind of values indoctrination doesn't happen at the academy. That happens when these recruits get out into their first assignments and they're assigned to their training officers on the street. Mm -hmm. And those people say to them, listen, kid, like what you learned at the academy, forget all that. Now (laughs) this is where your real education starts. So the process of changing the values of the police department is going to be a very long process. It's going to be many, many years. It it might take, we might be on another new police academy by the time there's really any change there. And there's plenty of people who would argue that you really with the way that policing is set up in this country you really can't you can't change these values like it would take much bigger overhauls about how we police and why we police but um but yeah to your point it's it's what happens on the inside that really matters um the the you know the other interesting thing just about i'm just looking again at these names of the people who who voted no in the police academy those eight people they also all of them voted no on lincoln yards but then there were some other people who voted no on lincoln yards some more d- Aldermen who have tough re-election, you know, runoffs, including uh, Tony Folks, and um, you had Michelle Smith and James Kappelman and Ariel Reboiris. Um, And but then there were some people who voted no on Lincoln Yards who are in the clear with their re-elections. But I think it's like kind of an interesting set of people. So Sophia King and then you've got Harry Osterman. From the 48th Ward on the north side of Chicago. (laughs) Uh, This, I know for a fact that there was a lot of organizing and a lot of attempts to get Harry Osterman on the No Cop Academy train. Mm -hmm. There were people, there were activists that came to his offices. There were, there were tons of people who tried to convince him because he showed, you know, kind of showed his cards as being interested in some sort of civilian oversight of the police. He supported that DAPA, that like middle of the line, you know, civilian police accountability proposal by the, a bunch of like nonprofits and stuff that was like not as fully civilian controlled as CPAC, but like also not this like mayoral, Mm -hmm. whatever, like nothing kind of fusion thing. So Harry Osterman got a lot of, uh, there were a lot of attempts to get him on board with No Cop Academy and he never did come on board. He never did vote against it. And um, I just think that like, yeah, it's, it's a, he's a weird vote on this. Well, here, let me, I, he said I would, the north side is getting norther. Yeah, the north. No, he gave a very impact. Harry Osterman from the 48th Ward, which is Edgewater, folks, if you're a little geogra- ge- geographically challenged, city of Chicago, north side ward, uh, right along the lakefront, comes from a long line. There's uh, His mother was an alderman uh, in the area before him. And I've kind of watched Harry evolve on this issue. He was a state rep before he was an alderman. And I remember him calling me up once to talk about tips. This was years ago. And he was like, what is this? Let's, let's, can we break this down a little help with this thing? Uh, and um, I think TIFFs are exceedingly unpopular on the north side of Chicago. I feel as though people associate them with uh, tax hikes, which is what they are. They're tax hikes. People feel already overtaxed. And they also think it's a diversion from the public schools, which it is. People care mostly about public education. So if you ask people, taxpayers in the city of Chicago, where would they want their property tax dollars to go? And I'd really love to hear Jeff's thoughts on this. Would they rather see the money go to Lincoln Yards, or would they rather see it go to the Chicago public schools? 
schools like Blaine Tech, where young Jeff was a scholar uh, many years ago, they would say they would rather go to the public schools. And I think that's something that's caught on the North Side. And so Harry is more or less reflecting uh, the opinions of people in his ward in this one. The cop academy is a little different because the local alderman, as you know, Maya, Emma Mitz, um, very much was for it. And it was sort of a referendum issue in her re-election campaign. We talked about this backroom deal on election night. And she was victorious over uh, Tara Stamps in that election. And so Jason Irvin, alderman from the West Side, got up yesterday and said to the uh, protesters who were protesting the Cop Academy vote, the people of the West Side have spoken. They want this Cop Academy. So don't tell the people of the West Side. And, and that, I think, is the equation um, that a guy like Harry Os- Osterman is responding to. Yeah, but if you look at the numbers, and this is, again, I, I just was talking about this with Ken Davis. Uh, Emma Mitz won, avoided, she got seven more votes than she did the last time she, the, in the 2015 general election. Now, at that time, she was facing Tara Stamps, who had a lot of money, a lot of, a lot of ground game, a lot of support, um, and drove her into a runoff. This time... Emma Miss avoided a runoff, but Tara got started late, didn't have the money, didn't have the same kind of, you know, outpouring on the street, got more votes than she did the first time, like hundreds more votes. Mm-hmm. So Tara, with nothing, with no money and no hardly any kind of ground game other than herself, managed to gain hundreds of votes more than she did the last time when she ended up in the runoff. Emma got seven more votes than she did last time. So to say, and, and turnout was lower, and there were fewer other candidates to take more votes away from her. So to say that like 3,000 people voted Emma Mitz into office. So to say that like the West Side is behind us, like, no, you just, the numbers shook out in their favor. I think that like, it, it's not, uh, n- neither the aldermen nor the protesters can, can say, oh, like the, the people of the West Side are behind us because most people on the West Side didn't vote and, you know, probably aren't even, you know, connecting on the, this this battle at yeah. all. Like they're not going to. So I'm just saying that, like, it's it's uh, it's very convenient for everybody involved to throw around these like statements about the people on the West Side, this and that. The reality is like the people on the uh, people on the West Side are clearly have other things to worry about than these elections and this cop academy. Fair enough. All right. Now, uh, before I let you get out the door, I have to ask you uh, your thoughts uh, on the latest the twists and turns of the Preckwinkle Lori Lightfoot uh, a battle where it seems as though uh, issues have sort of been pushed to the side and it's more about personalities and character and who supports who and whether a support is a sign of betrayal whether uh, what's your sense about what's at stake uh, in this election, do you have a strong sense that one candidate or the other is that much different on uh, the issues facing the city of Chicago, or do you think it's more of a um, cosmetic thing? Um, no, I do think I think that honestly, the only set of issues that it's uh, even possible to compare them on really is their is their criminal justice stances because. Lori Lightfoot doesn't have any kind of record other than in the criminal justice arena. So uh, that if you're a single issue voter um, and you are like some, you know, you're you're like a progressive voter, a single issue voter. And the most important thing to you is um, changing 
how we police in the city and changing the criminal justice system, then you're going to see a lot of problems in Lori Lightfoot's background, and you're not going to buy this whole narrative she has about being like a fighter of the corrupt police department or whatever, because it's much more complicated than that, and she's been a col- in various ways a collaborator for a really long time. Uh, if you are, you know, if your issue is, you know, schools or housing, and uh, I'm actually going to be co-moderating a debate between Lori and Tony on Saturday uh, the 30th. Um, this is a debate organized by the Chicago Housing Initiative, and Alden Lowry of WBZ and I are going to be co-moderating this thing, and there'll be more info about it out there soon, I think. So, um you know, that'll be that'll be a debate, a forum only on housing issues. So it'll be interesting to see because like Tony has a mixed and complicated record on housing issues and Lori doesn't have any kind of record on housing <laughs> issues besides yeah. being a homeowner, you know. So so uh, this is this is an this is yeah. a weird, interesting election because there's all these kind of like they're vying for like who's who, they're they're slinging mud and being nasty, but also like vying to be the, like out who's the more progressive candidate. But really, the only thing you could really compare their records on is criminal justice and everything else Lori is saying things and tony has an actual record like there what what issue in the city does tony parkwinkle not have some sort of record on maybe it's a bad record but i'm just saying what issue in the city does she not have a record on as a legislator or an executive that's a fair point she was uh one of one of the uh, she was a, one of the leading uh, advocates for the Olympics, for instance. She was a major advocate working hand-in-hand uh, hand with Mayor Daley uh, back then. And uh, But she, she did also get that CBA thing. Which was wor- virtually worthless. And uh, <laughs> don't get me started on an Olympic day- debate, Maya. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, Michael Reese Hospital, which is now a vacant site, mm-hmm. uh, was purchased uh, by the city, by the taxpayers. We're still paying it off. Uh, as a result of the Olympic endeavor. So you're absolutely correct. There's a whole history that you can look at with Tony Preckwinkle. You can uh, try to make like a very nuanced, sophisticated analysis of where she was at any given time. In contrast, Lori Lightfoot, there is no uh, public record. She was a private citizen who occasionally came in to fill in, uh, as an appointee of one powerful mayor or another. So your, your point's very well taken. Before we let you go, where and when again is that debate? That'd be interesting. It'll one be to go it'll to. be uh, at uh, Mount Carmel Baptist Church on Saturday, March thirtieth, and it'll be. I think the doors will open at nine, eight thirty or nine. Uh, we'll. In the morning? Yeah, it's in the morning. The, the debate won't actually start until 10. Uh, and I don't, this was like some kind of like very long story on scheduling. Uh, the Chicago Housing Initiative is like the coalition that's organizing it. So Alden and I are not involved in actually getting everybody's schedules. But yeah, it, it's like a Saturday morning uh, thing. And it'll be interesting to see uh to see how it shakes out because I really haven't, you know, there's like a million and one conversations about criminal justice in this election, but housing is a different housing piece. is, uh, that'll be a great, we'll, we'll promote that more and we'll get you on afterwards to talk about it. And Alden Laurie's an old friend of this show. He was on many times uh, in the past talking about uh, demographics. The guy knows more about demographics in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. population moving in and out, et cetera, et cetera. We're really curious to hear what his thoughts are on the Lincoln Yard development and how that will impact the overall development of the city of Chicago and the changing demographics here. Maya, we got to move on. Thank you very much. Can't wait to get back into the back room.
with you and uh, Dennis will be producing those. It's good that that is coming back. Don't you agree? Yep. All right, very good, Maya. Next on board with us, the great, the immortal, the legendary Jeff Johnson. He's sitting there. He's doing his deep knee bends and his yoga to get ready oh, to come nice, on. <laughs> nice. Downward dog, I see. <laughs> Downward Excellent. dog with Jeff Johnson. We'll have, <laughs> we'll have him on right after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, producer Dennis here. Hey, before we get going into hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, March 14th, we have to remind you, and I'm not sure if you knew this or not, the Ben Jarofsky show is powered by unions and a bunch of them, all right? These hardworking men and women were so kind enough to get behind us in this online podcasting adventure. So before we do anything else, we need to thank the following unions once again for making this show possible. First off, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith Workers, guys. Local 126 and District 8, uh, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board with us in this uh, project here. And of course, today's show is brought to you by our friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, with that said, the Ben Jarofsky Show, hour number two, starts now. Yes, people, it's Thursday, March 14th, and live from the Chicago Reader Suntime Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome union man and pension guru, Jeff Johnson, and we're talking all things 2019 runoff elections with 45th Ward Alderman, John Arena. And now your host, also a pension guru. <laughs> and Chicago Bulls guru. Yeah, but that's more like it. Ben yeah. Jarofsky. All right. Yeah, not, not a, in fact, folks, I got to tell the truth here. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. When I have a pension question, 
hey Jeff, all right, let me da, 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 da. because pensions are a very complicated thing, and you it's like you either really know it in your bones, sort of like tiffs, uh, or you need a constant refreshment course, and so I always need that constant refreshment course from Jeff Johnson, IBA, IB, IBW Local Nine, uh, and. Um, uh, on the pensions, he's, he knows more about pensions than any man in the world. We're going to bring him on. Oh, but I don't D, know about that. Uh, D, you got an update for me? Absolutely, I do. We're going to go to our Facebook and Twitter pages at the moment. It was our top story nationally this afternoon. Robert Beto O'Rourke mm-hmm. is running for president. Uh, he announced it this morning, uh, maybe last night. I'm not sure. It's uh, within the last 24 hours he has announced it. And uh, we decided to go to our Facebook and Twitter pages to talk with all of you about it. Posted on both our Facebook and Twitter pages. We're asking your thoughts on the POTUS announcement from Beto O'Rourke on the Facebook page. A simple question. Beto for president? I got to say it right. Beto. Beto. Beto, yeah. Beto, Beto, Beto for president. That's the question we're asking all of you on the Facebook page. We have some listener comments to read. Let's see what the listeners are saying. Uh, if you've yet to do so, weigh in with your thoughts now. Once again, at Benny J Show. Find us on Facebook. All right, first up, it's our Facebook friend Marlon. Marlon posted, and it looks as though he'd like to see uh, Beto or Beto in a different role. Uh, he says Biden Beto would be the strongest ticket in my opinion. Wow. So he's going VP. He already made a VP, huh? Man, okay. what are your thoughts on that? A VP Beto? Well, rather yeah, than a- I uh, I could see that happening. I I, I kind of wanted him to run for Senate again in Texas, but I guess I. Uh, That's the if he's smart, that would have been the easy yeah. way to do that. And a lot of people are disappointed because of that. On- yeah, because he could have run. There's another election two years from now. That exactly. But what do I know? He has bigger dreams. <laughs> on to Patrick's comment. Patrick's comment is hilarious. Pat posted. He couldn't beat the guy that beat Trump, but he thinks he can beat the guy that beat the guy that he couldn't beat. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Uh, no, he couldn't beat the guy that Trump beat. I'm lost. But yeah. I was lost. Yeah. The no, guy. that's right. Yeah, Isn't that right, right. Jeff? Because yeah, he couldn't exactly. beat Cruz. Yeah. Trump beat Cruz. Exactly. He couldn't yeah. beat the guy Trump beat, but he thinks he can beat the guy that beat Cruz. Hang tight, listeners. <laughs> All right. How about Michael's comment? Michael puts, no Beto. Consider that with Bernie Sanders, we made great progress in moving voters to understand and also support progressive ideas for justice on several issues facing our nation. I was a Sanders Democrat convention delegate and plan to do it again. Jeff, I don't know the answer to this question. You may have told me this in the past and I just don't know. Were you a Bernie person or were you a Hillary person? Uh, I was Bernie, actually. Um, Bernie went down to a uh, fundraiser for Sue Garza back in the day on the southeast side. It was great. And uh, Karen Lewis was there, and this was a couple years ago, and Bernie showed up, had a couple beers with him, and it was a great time. Just picking his brain and how he feels about things, and yeah, so I was uh, more towards Bernie. uh, You were feeling that burn back in 2016. Bernie's no dummy. He knows. You get those, uh, you get the union guys. By the way, Sue Garza. I just want to say, Sue Garza, uh, Jeff alluded to, is the alder woman of the 10th Ward, big friend of the show. She, I begged her Sue, come on today. She was too busy, but I think she's coming on next week. So Sue Garza will be here uh, on the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so Michael was feeling the burn. He's still feeling it. And to contrast, Michael, Van weighed in. Van's comment, oh, look, another better pick than Bernie. On Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, Bernie burn. All right, Uh, Sue said. Oh, I thought that was a joke. 
a Beto pick. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was a, oh, I no, thought that was no, a pun. Uh, no, no, hence the no drum. Pun. Okay. No pun. Pure uh, just uh, nastiness from Van. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Sue said, I think he'd make a good VP. Mary said he'd be okay as a VP. A lot of you people think uh, Beto for vice president. And finally, Jackie. I'm sure a lot of us can relate uh, with Jackie here. Jackie puts, hey, I'm for any Democrat who can get Trump out of mm-hmm. Washington. Yeah. All right. And right now onto our Twitter page, uh, because this millennial right here, producer Dennis, is starting to catch up with all the other millennials. <laughs> I posted a Twitter poll question uh, okay. to everybody. The question, beta will work for president, yay, nay, or meh? That's the question. Benny J, let's read our poll results thus far. Right. Let me uh, refresh it here to make sure I have the most up-to-date information here. Uh, okay. All right, looking at the poll. <laughs> it looks like here, I believe... Yes, the nays are still winning. 46% of you say nay as far as Beto for president. 32% are meh. And 22% yay. 22% yay? Yay. Wow. 22% yay, 46% nay, Mm. 32% People aren't feeling it. Meh. Yeah. But uh, like I said in the last hour here, we're going to keep this poll open until the beginning of tomorrow's show because, uh, well, we are a downloadable show. So we want everyone who downloads to be able to weigh in as well. So head over to uh, the Twitter page at Benny J Show. That's where the poll is. Just answer the question on the Facebook page. Also at Benny J Show. We look forward to hearing your comments. And who knows? We may read it on the air. And hey, even if you curse, we still may read it on the air. We're a podcast. <laughs> we're a podcast. Now. That's yes, right. I can swear curse. now. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Hold <laughs> Hold it down. We, we well, don't want you swearing too much. Go so ahead. So a quick de- a quick dive yeah. into this uh, gentleman. Very quick dive. Uh-huh. Came up with a comment. I want you to tell me who you think that this kind of relates to, like their per se government, or I was going to say governing, but okay. I'm a big believer. This is from Beto. Uh-huh. I'm a big believer in labor's right to collectively bargain in the private sector. Yeah. The public sector is a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my experience these last six years on city council, I do not think it is in the community's best interest, certainly not in the taxpayer's best interest, to have collectively bargaining by the police and firefighters. Yeah. Uh, when did he say that? I uh, quick. Uh, this was a quick dive. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, uh, when he was in council. Okay, or city council was, uh, in uh, Texas. So you're uh, looking at probably early 2010. Yeah. Or sometime around there. Well, you know, Jeff, this is one of my favorite themes. Uh, the evolution. Isn't that everybody's favorite yeah, word? People well, evolve exactly their political evolve. view. They yeah, evolve. You, you get a better view. Better view of things. Uh, so there has been an evolution, in quotes, uh, on the part of many Democrats on the issue of collective bargaining rights. I've seen it in the last yeah. 10 years. And where we were as a people and as a party on this issue in 2010, people, I always tease people, oh, when they come on the show, Jeff, you were drinking that rom Kool-Aid back yeah. then. You know, a lot of Democrats were talking about cutting pensions and they were starting to say government employees yeah. shouldn't have the right to collective bargaining. I don't know why they wouldn't have the rights. So, um, I, I listen, this is the question I should pose to you is a position that a person has at one time in his or her life, uh, can, will you believe them if they say they've changed? Do you believe people are? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. I mean, it, it's always out there, so it's always in the back of your mind. And But people can have, uh, you know, 
their opinions can evolve. Like you said, you know, the, the Democrats were the union's best friend for how many years? Mm. And then all of a sudden you started to see a little shift. And it was mainly in the public sector with the pensions and, you know, with, with that aspect of things. And now, like, you know, it's the pendulum effect. It goes this way, it goes the other way. I think that it's starting to come back a little bit. But, like, a comment like that just sticks out as Ronner. That was Ronner's main platform. Yeah. Private sector unions, you're fine. Yeah. But, you know, and that's... It puts a scare, a scare in you. And now you also have so much deep dive through your... Everybody has a freaking cell phone that they type the name and, you know, Beto, you know, Beto unions, Beto public pensions, and they see these things. And your average citizen, or your average citizen, but your average worker, your government worker, whatever, they latch onto that. Mm-hmm. Hey, you see what this guy said? Yeah. And it's a hard sell to your membership that once you commit to an idea, even if it was five, nine years ago, it's hard to sway them on like, hey, he's changed. And, you know, because politicians have such a negative, you know, view or they're viewed so negatively by a lot of people. All right. Now, uh, Jeff Johnson, talk about who your members are, the members of your union uh, and what kind of jobs they hold. And then we'll get into the issue of whether, in your humble opinion, and I know the answer to this, but I, sh- I think I should hear you articulate it anyway, uh, why municipal employees should have the right to form unions and collectively bargain. Uh, so IBW Local 9 handles outside elect, uh, electrics. It's the easiest way to think about it. Uh, one of the other Chicago unions is 134. It's all inside electric. We're the guys outside. Mm-hmm. So from city, we have street lights, your stop and goes. Um, we handle fire alarm repair boxes from back before the Chicago fire. If you pull a hospital box, uh, our, uh, the, the Local 9 members handle that. Uh, fire department dispatchers for the city of Chicago. Uh, we handle uh, Our members handle park district. They handle water rack. Um, those are like the government workers. And we also have some uh, private contractors that do underground uh, distribution and even from like your surrounding Cook County area for stop and goes and street lights in all these other areas. So we're a very diverse union with, uh, you know, we're approximately, I think it's like, uh, don't quote me, it's like 3,500 or 4,000 members somewhere around there. And so we we're one of the unions that has a good split between public sector representation and private sector representation, um, the contractors versus the public guys. And so in your opinion, why do public employees have the right to form a union as opposed to what Beto O'Rourke was saying 10 years yeah, ago? Yeah, honestly, I, there's really no platform on there that I kind of can defend all in all. You know, you're still, you're collectively bargained. We, you know, come to the table with the best interest. And you know, everybody forgets we're taxpayers too. So any contract we negotiate, we're paying for the lack of a better word because we have city residency requirements. So anything that we negotiate, um, be it pay, be it uh, benefits, be it stuff that's been fought for over the years, it's a matter of we should we shouldn't be treated any worse than mm-hmm. a private sector member. But I'm not saying we should be treated better, but just no worse than you know the same benefits that are awarded in the private sector. And people, you know, the the lazy city worker mantra is one of those that, you know, ah, government worker, city worker. There, we have some of the hardest working workforce in the entire, you know, country when it comes to government workers. They do their jobs. They do their jobs great. Firemen, policemen, 911 dispatchers, streetlight repairs. These guys are out there 24-7. Uh, you know, and I always say the city of Chicago is a, a baby. And what I mean by that is that it needs constant care. Mm-hmm. There's always something going on 24-7. When most people pack up and leave at 4.30, 8 and skate, and they're skipping down Madison, you know, our city, our members, you know, they're out there 24-7 keeping the city working. And, you know, taxpayers tend to forget that, like, hey, you know, what your taxes are an investment in your city. 
And, you know, I hate to pick on some, uh, I'll pick on Indiana. Um, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, uh, you know, my taxes are cheaper. Yeah. But if you call 911, they might get there within the hour. Right. Yeah. And the city of Chicago fire department, we 911 dispatchers, local nine members can have a fire engine in your house anywhere in the city in five minutes. Yeah. So you get what you pay for. And I, you know, that's about the lowest uh, comment I can make there. Well, the, um, the argument I always make, I've been making this argument for a long time. Jeff Johnson, I don't know if it's uh, successful. City employees have to live in the city of Chicago. Yes. Uh, if you work for the Board of Education, if you're a Chicago public school employee, not a charter school employee, but a, a real Chicago school employee, you have to live in the city of Chicago. Yes. So the salary that the taxpayers pay uh, through their taxes is a direct investment oh, yeah. in the city of Chicago. And so uh, Bob Bruno from uh, UIC did mm -hmm. a study on that. For every dollar paid to a city worker, 87 cents stays in the city and churns. You know, they shop there, they buy uh, uh, gas, they, you know, they, they spend their money in the city. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that, the return on investment there, 87%? Yeah. <laughs> from a pension fund standpoint, pension funds would love that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an it's a investment in your city with, the, uh, with, uh, with government workers. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, as opposed to, we'll get to Lincoln Yards, uh, people who are making the money off of Lincoln Yards, the big money making on that, don't live in the city of Chicago. Yeah, exactly. That money is not getting recycled in the city of yeah, Chicago. Yeah. In wor ordinary working class neighborhoods all over the city, Jeff Johnson. Yeah. Uh, so that would be my main argument uh, for taxpayers who uh, worry about collective bargaining rights of union work of city workers. All right. Uh, your union has made an endorsement. Is that correct, young man? Yes, they have. Uh, and uh, please, drum roll. Uh, Miss Lori Lightfoot. All right. Why Lightfoot? Why not Preckwinkle? Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, will, I will not speak a bad word of uh, Ms. Preckwinkle. I think that the negative campaigning is something that's starting to turn people off. Uh, so it's more about the benefits of Lori than it is uh, versus Tony. Um, use him first name uh, basis here. Uh, and it's a matter of that, you know, there's a, from a pension fund standpoint, from a city worker standpoint, from a private contractor, it's a matter of who can lead the city through good times and bad times. And there is a lot of like, well, we know Tony, but we don't know Lori. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to Lori and, you know, she gives you the uh, story about uh, how her parents, uh, a steel workers union and you know, everything like that helped paid for, you know, uh, when she was a, a child. Um, there's things there that you see and you latch onto those, the positives she talks about. And a lot of it from, especially like our standpoint is like from you know, with our union, you don't necessarily deal with the mayor too much. You deal with the staff that they surround themselves with. And her campaign has been uh, put together rather well. I'm, I'm, I, I, we are impressed with the membership that she's put around her and the way they're running the campaign and her views on the city. Uh, there was an event last night. Um, and I was the only government worker in there. I can guarantee you that. Okay. And somebody <laughs> raised their hand and a little haphazardly, yeah, what about those pensions? Mm-hmm. Right? And she stuck to her guns. And she said, you know what? You might not want to hear this. But we made a promise, and we need to f fulfill that promise. The government workers, once they got their jobs, you know, it's a promise we made. And, you know, like I said, this was a downtown, you know, for a, uh, an event. And she said, you might not want to hear the next thing. But, you know, we need revenue for these pensions. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there, and like, I'm trying to do my best not to give, like, the slow clap and everything, <laughs> you know. And 60% of the uh, crowd was like, oh, now their head's like, oh, okay. And then the other 40 were like, eh. I was like, 
okay. But it, it's things like that that, you know, she's not playing to her audience. She's telling you who she is. Um, she's sticking to her guns. And, you know, there's a lot. To t- there's going to be a learning curve there. I totally get that. Um, there was a learning curve with Mayor Emanuel. Um, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. That learn, I'm not waiting for the learning part of the curve to kick in, Jeff Johnson. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he still so. doesn't know how the TIF program works, as indicated by his comments yesterday at the Chicago City Council. But I won't put you on the spot with yeah, that one. Exactly. Uh, um, but okay, I'm waiting for the learning to kick in with Mayor Rahm. But and, go ahead. You know, and you also see that there's a, you know, just from a campaign standpoint, <laughs> there is, you know, when you go back to Jesse Ventura, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Bloomberg, Trump. There is a lot of people that are like, you know what? I know this one. Eh. You know, eh. But the other one, I don't know. Hey, let's shake things up a little bit. And you never want to shake things up walking in and just flip the table over because you're going to lose <laughs> things, you know, yeah. to a point. Um, but there is a lot of positives there that you can latch on to. All right. Now, uh, last week on the show, we had uh, Stacey Davis-Gates from the Chicago Teachers Union. Yes. She was espousing uh, her endorsement, a ringing endorsement uh, of Tony Perkwinkle. And uh, so how are unions? Unions, obviously, the point is, are on opposite sides of this issue. And in many ways, it's like an intra-family fight. Yeah. Uh, some unions really strongly support uh, Tony Preckwinkle, as I just got saying with the Chicago Teachers Union, and other unions are it's more slowly coming around to Lori Lightfoot, uh, because a lot. Of, I don't think she had much union support in the first go around, in the first run. So uh, how are unions going to learn to uh, get along when this is all over? Well, uh, there's two points there. I think that you're seeing something where unions really haven't had this I'll say a decision to make because mm-hmm. it was uh, Richie, 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 Richie for 22 years. <laughs> um, and then, you know, with Rom, yeah. it was kind of, you know, that he was the, he was, he was the big show in town. Yeah. So this is something that's within the last 30 years, relatively new where mm-hmm. unions are on both sides of the table looking like, well, who's better for me? Yeah. And at the end of the day, your union, like, you know, I told some people for CTO, like you have to de- pick who's better for you and you know, vice versa. Us at local nine have to pick what's better for our membership. And so it, this is a new kind of feeling I'll say, right. As far as like, well, you know, uh, unions kind of being at a loggerhead with, you know, and there were some unions with ROM, some against it, but it was kind of just very like, just all right, you go over there, you go over here. And so with trying to pick sides now and having a like union and labor can have a say in this election and you know if you put your work in your members uh, put your work in here and we can you know have a a sway in this it's great my only thing about how do we get along and this has been my viewpoint from the very beginning uh from with this election is that if you're worth any salt in this arena Mm -hmm. you know that if you pick the loser and I, I hate to say it, I always keep saying horse. It's like picking horses, right? Um, if you pick the losing horse, you have to come hat in hand to the other side and say, hey, I lost. And then it's your, you, you have an obligation to the membership to play nice with the other side because you have to deal with the other side. And the reality of it is whoever wins, uh, unions have to deal with them. Yeah. And my main point is these people I've been friends with that are on the other side of the table now and people that I respect and like, and they're on the other side of the table. My main point is don't make it awkward. Because in six months, come May 21st, May 23rd, we're going to be seeing each other. Don't make it awkward. And I'm not going to say bad about the other side. And like I said, my, my, my main uh, you know, thing is, okay, run a clean campaign. Talk up why you think your candidate's better. Don't just throw mud at the other one. And so that's where it's, you know, we're going to have to live together, whoever comes and goes mm-hmm. with this mayor. And there's a lot of younger people in the union uh, movement. And so it's a matter of just, you know, we got to get through this. Now, uh you're supporting Lori Lightfoot. I've noticed in this post uh, February 27th election, 
some of the money that would otherwise have gone to Bill Daly is going to Lori Lightfoot. Yes. And some of this is corporate Chicago money. Uh, these are people who generally are leading the charge against, against the collective bargaining rights of municipal employees, against uh, the paying money into the pensions, making good on those obligations. Uh, you already alluded to this a little bit but with your talk about the fundraiser last night, but I'm going to put it right to you again, Jeff Johnson. Are you satisfied uh, that Lori Lightfoot has the ability to tell her corporate donors no, that she has the ability to stand up to them when they say, hey. You remember how they used to write the memos to Rom? We yes. saw the emails yeah, later. Hey, yeah, go yeah. harder on those yeah. city employees. And Rom was like, hey, I already cut their health benefits. Yeah, what uh, more do you want? What yeah. more do you want? Uh, do you think Lori Lightfoot uh, has the fortitude to say no to people who've been uh, paying her contributions on this issue? Yes, I do. And that's one of the uh, one of the things I've found so far with her staff and uh, just dealing with the entire campaign so far is that, yes, uh, she's very uh, their team is very mendable to ideas and thoughts and concerns. And so it's not a matter of who wrote the biggest check you know, gets to say, you know, gets to point me in the right direction. Uh, she is, and she was at OEMC when I first got hired, actually. Uh, she was, uh, she did a couple of years at OEMC. So she, uh, she has some... Uh, you know, just, uh, that's the acronym for... Uh, Office of Emergency Management Communications for the City of Chicago, 911s and uh, all this other stuff. You're still a dispatcher, aren't yes, you? Yes, uh, that's my real job. I tell everybody, I'm a, my, my real job is I'm a fire department dispatcher. Oh my God, today, folks, when I was calling Jeff up, he put me on, hold on, engine two, engine three, he was like sending some engines out. I yeah. thought he was talking to me i'm like i'm not driving an engine um but no i I think that you know she's an extremely smart woman Mm -hmm. and she ultimately will do what's best for the city and i already know there's going to be things that we don't agree with even if we back you there's going to be things that we probably don't agree with yeah and it's a matter of having that discussion having a seat at the table yeah and that's a major point is just having a seat at the table so that you can talk through these issues um and instead of somebody who like you know can have a you know kind of controversial you know standoffish way of uh, ne- like negotiating and dealing with and you know from a pension fund standpoint and from just a city standpoint you know there's a lot of people out there saying that bad times are coming mm-hmm. and when you know rome is on fire it's who's going to be sitting at the head of the table and who's going to be able to make those decisions and who's going to be able to, um, you know, to sit with and negotiate with and deal with the problems for the city of Chicago. And I think that Lori has the best ability to do that. All right. Uh, looks like our next guest is coming. We're going to broaden the discussion a little oh, bit. Uh, young John Arena from nice. the 45th Ward has walked into the studio. We're going to bring him on a little bit. Jeff, stick around. I want you to be of part course. of this conversation as well. But before uh, I bring John on, I want to ask you this. Uh, while we're talking about with unions endorsing mayoral candidates there is a theory out there that many union people have put to me when our off-the-record conversations is that unions should stay neutral they shouldn't endorse anybody uh and you know uh and there's a certain you know who (laughs) yeah who should be on this show mr Ryder, but hasn't come on yet uh he'll be on here eventually but uh that union should stay out of it they should just not get involved you put your you know you get in in the race that somebody's going to hold it against you uh just stay out of these local political fights uh, Jeff, what's your opinion about that? I think that, the, you know, there's, you know, it's a two, twofold, to be quite honest with you, um, as far as that goes. Um, I tend to lean towards more the old school way. And like I said, I'm just a member of the union. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, I got business manager and my assistant business managers and everything. So my viewpoint has kind of been that you get involved. Uh, you, I go back to the horse uh, pick, you pick a horse and you 
kind of, you know, you, you help out and get them in. Like uh, the plumbers, for example, have done, you know, they're very, you know, um, involved in the political movement. And they've, they've been that way for a while and they backed Bill Daly. And so people tried you know, knocking them for like, oh, the one who picked Bill Daly, but now is picking uh, Lori. Well, they the plumbers sh- have gone with Lori now. Yes. I missed that. Okay, yeah, plumbers yeah. went with Lori uh, yesterday, yesterday, the day before, two days ago. And laborers, I think, are going with. Uh, there's a press conference today for laborers. Um, but you know, you showed that you back who you're. You know, you're with at that time, and it might not be. You know, you might not be my person today, but you know, tomorrow, if you're the last one standing, I think you can do it. I, I've, I have a history of showing you that I will get out for you. Yeah, I had a hard time with any union endorsing Bill Daly. I'm just going to put that out there, Jeff Johnson. Bill Daly was on the record saying he wanted a constitutional amendment to eradicate the language that protects pension rights for uh, union employees. I had a hard time Ooh, with... Yeah, but my thing is, and uh, I've gotten roughed up by some guys that uh, were daily guys from... Uh, and, you know, like, ah, whatever, you know, about that thing uh, with the constitutional amendment. So the issue there is... Whoever gave him that advice to make that campaign platform number one, yeah, just it stuck out there, and then he kept saying it. Uh, you know, it was uh, maybe the tactic was to differ himself from the other thirteen. Like, hey, they're all saying this, I'm saying that. Like yeah. the one issue, but I think that it was just bad advice. If he sneaks it in number five, yeah. It kind of goes under the radar, yeah. but he made it such an issue, and that's where Jerry Joyce latched on, got uh, you know Northwest Side, Southwest Side, and Midway, and you know, some people think that he kind of you know threw uh, threw Daly off from the runoff. But that argument could be made. Yeah, it yeah. could be made, but I mean, it was just a bad bad you know, advice. Yeah. So, although I'm not certain, this is an argument over uh, a beer at a tavern another day. With that Jerry Joyce vote going to Daly, yeah, would have gone to yeah. Big Mac, would have gone to Vallis. Who knows? Who knows? So yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, as I said, Alderman John Arena is in the studio. We're going to bring him on. We're going to broaden the conversation. Talk about some of the issues that went down in City Council yesterday. Very busy day in Chicago City Council once again. The city, the city. If you view Chicago as divided into two camps, the Rom camp and the Ben camp, well, clearly most aldermen are still in the Rom camp because. They didn't vote the Ben way yesterday, but whatever. Life goes on. John Arena is here. We'll bring him on with Jeff Johnson after this. Hey there. Producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show.
If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. at C-O-R-P as in Paul, dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Hey, everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. You want to get enlightened? Want to learn about the future of the city of Chicago? Well, then join the Chicago Sun-Times and one of our upcoming Hear Our Voice community forums. Take that deep dive into Chicago politics. In conjunction with our partner, AARP, these conversations are your chance to learn more about the future of Chicago. We've even invited mayoral candidates Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle to join us as active listeners attending the forums to better understand your opinions and hear your voice. Now, the first forum was held last night, so you can't go to it, but I hear it was a good time, very enlightening. March 13th, it was last night, duh, from, uh, at DuSable Museum of African American History in Hyde Park, the second forum Monday, March 18th. This is the one I want you to know about. Monday, March 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Arturo Velasquez Institute in Pilsen. Features panelists Mark Brown and Carlos Baesteros from the Sun-Times, Rosanna Marquez from AARP, and my old pal, Fernando Diaz from the Chicago Reporter. And best of all, Dr. D, these events are free. That's F-R-E-E. I can spell. I think you know what that means. It means you don't have to pay to get in, people. You get enlightened. You learn about our future. You hear really smart people talk about the issues of the day. And it's free. You got no excuse. Monday, March 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Arturo Velasquez Institute in Pilsen. For sign-up details, go to thesuntimes.com. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show yes indeed commercial break over and get down to business jeff johnson is sticking around in the studio john arena is here with us he's the alderman of the 45th ward my god john time flies i met you i think it was eight years ago i moderated the debate it's always tough elections in the 45th ward the first round one against johnny garrido uh and then there was a second the rematch against garrido in uh, 2015. I did not moderate this year's debate. You lost. It's because I didn't moderate the debate, John Arena. Uh, there was anyway. something missing from this campaign. Anyway, welcome back to the show. I appreciate you were a, a frequent guest on my old show. In fact, we were in your ward in the old yeah. days. I was in your ward in the old days. We won't talk about we that. We won't talk about that. <laughs> we won't talk about how Jeff Johnson was the last guest I had before, you got, uh, before I got fired. Before you got fired. Uh, he yeah, said exactly. something. They go, they didn't like it. Boom, get rid of Ben. Uh, anyway, John Arena, let's talk about the last election. Uh, you were two-term uh, victorious. You were two-term alderman, and you were running for the third term, and you lost. Uh, any sense of why you went, why you lost this one? Uh, well, I mean, I took on a, a lot of tough fights. Um, I took on a lot of tough fights. I mean, affordable housing is, is a problem, uh, you know, conversationally. Density development is an issue and on the northwest side. But... It was something that I had been running on twice and said, we need to do this. And once, you know, sometimes it's, if it's in the abstract, 
it's one thing. If it's in, you know, in the ground and, and people are seeing it, then it might be another. Um, and it's something that it, it's always easy for the opposition to latch on and to create narratives around, uh, you know, people's worst fears and the tropes that go along with any kind of density housing, mm-hmm. especially when there's some affordable uh, component to it. But these were things that um, I got in the race to do. The, the, and for me, and we, we've got them done. I mean, the, the, the zoning's passed, the, the budgets are there, the, the permits are issued, so these things are going to get built. And w- what I hope comes out of this is in five years when we have an active economy in Jefferson Park and it's six corners and the things that are going to be built over the next couple of years are going to be things that are familiar to us and are going to be the things that we love because they bring the things that everybody said they wanted back in 2011 when I was running the first time, which is businesses and activity and jobs in our neighborhood um, and a vibrant, you know, uh, culture uh, that, that that's built around those things. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things uh, I noticed for, about your ward, uh, it, politics is for real. They fight hard in the 45th ward. Uh, your victory in 2011 uh, was over an entrenched Democratic machine that had been around forever and ever. You defeated John Garrido, and I wrote at the time that I would have a hard time uh, determining who I would vote for. This is back in 2011 when you were in the runoff of Garrido. I respected Garrido because he took some uh, uh, tough stands uh, against the police department. I respected you. Uh, I mean, he took some tough stands against the mayor. I respected you uh, because you were running as an independent voice. And so after the election was over, uh, you defeated Garrido. It was very close. There was never... Um, how do I put this, an alliance made between you and Green. I've often wondered about that. Why was it so difficult uh, for these two sides in the 45th Ward battle, who saw things eye to eye on so many issues mm-hmm. in terms of overall reform, why was it so difficult for the arena and Garrido sides to make peace? Because he, well, because he filed a lawsuit. He filed a defamation lawsuit against me, against the CFL, against every union, SEIU, AFSCME, um, Unite Here, ones that, that didn't even endorse me. He filed a lawsuit against everybody because he was mad that he lost by 30 votes. And none of them were the reason why he lost. He lost because he was handing out cards that said, come to my victory party on election day. And he wasn't knocking on doors like my campaign was. So part of the problem is there was no conversation after that first election about, okay, where do we see eye to eye and what can we do about making the community better? It was, I lost and I should have won and and now I'm going to waste everybody's money with a frivolous lawsuit. So that's a problem because how do you have a conversation with with somebody who's, you know, now costing me $50,000 in legal fees? Um, You know, and then we can't, you know, so basically the battle, the, the campaign waged on where he spent the, the better part of four years saying everything I did was wrong and getting every article he could, you know, written about what was not right and things that weren't happening. And so we went into the 2015 campaign and that was the one where he said, you know, okay, if I don't win this one, I'm done. And he did, we did sit down and talk afterwards. And I said, you know, how can we work together? And unfortunately there wasn't a germane conversation from him to say, well, how can we work together? And he, you know, the social media barrage, you know, his comments online were, you know, as caustic as the rest of the circle that he was in. And, you know, it's really tough to say, okay, I have to turn the other cheek while I'm trying to get something done. And everything I do is countered by, 
you know, well, what about that empty storefront? We fill two storefronts, but there's still one. I mean, at some point, you know, the politics get so caustic that you can't have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate because what we have more in common, right? And so now we're, now we're here. And, you know, of course, once, once affordable housing and 5150 came up and John Garrido is standing up at a public meeting saying, we need to drug test the children of the people that are going to live in this building. Well, I appreciate John Garrido's service to his community. It's a long service. He, he, he's, he's invested, but this type of rhetoric is, is not something I can respect. And so I want to have a legitimate conversation about development and density and mm-hmm. honest about who, who we need to give access to affordable housing. But if we're talking about 1950s era rhetoric about drug testing kids, I'm sorry, I have a hard time getting in a room and saying we can see eye to eye on, on this issue. And that's on him, unfortunately. I, I will put that squarely on him. What's on me is, you know, I'm a bull in a china shop too, and and I don't respond. <laughs> I, I, I don't respond yeah. well to to the kind of online rhetoric of you know tear everything apart because you didn't win, as opposed to work together to build it up and we come back for another campaign. There's a contingent in in the ward that never wants the campaign to end, mm-hmm. and it has to end. Yeah. Otherwise, this is what we get, and and it's unfortunate because we have this division that somehow we have to find a way to get through. Well, and John, is, uh, I had this uh, theory, which uh, your recent election sort of disproved, but I had this theory, and Jeff Johnson followed me on this theory, that voters will not punish an alderman who has the guts to stand up to an all-powerful mayor. And I based that theory on the track records uh, in the 90s of people like Helen Schiller in the 46th Ward, which is the uptown area uh, on the north side, who defied Mayor Daley on budgets, et cetera, et cetera. She always eked out a victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, to a degree, down uh, in the 4th Ward, she opposed Mayor Daley on some budgets. She didn't have to eke out a victory. She was supported by her people. But I always had this thought that Chicagoans, I'm not from Chicago, but I've lived here a long time, respect People have guts, will stand up to an all-powerful mayor, and they will not punish an alderman for standing up and defying an all-powerful mayor. I can't think of one, and I, I, that's why I was going, oh, Arena's going to win because people will never punish him. And then they turned. Well, they didn't, I don't think they punished me because of my stance. I no. mean, I, th- I think yeah. they punished me because I believe in accountability, but I, am, I believe in accountability across the board. You can't say that other guy has to be accountable but not me. And, and that's the problem in the, in the battle. And Jeff and I were just talking about this a second ago, and, and he <laughs> caught some of the brunt of it because he's been a, a friend you know, to me in, uh, over time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I said, look, if we're going to have a dialogue about uh, difficult issues, then we have to find some level, measure of respect. And you know, we got, after we announced 5150 back in February of 2017, um, you know, threats to my staff. I mean, the calls that were coming in and the type of rhetoric we were hearing. My w- wife was told not to be found, you know, get be found alone in an alley. I mean, th- these are things that people were doing in their dress blues and 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 as sit- representing the city. And we have a code of conduct. And I fought to get IG oversight over members of the city council. Full measure of that. I took on Ed Burke. I took on those fights. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I'm going to start with me. As an, as an elected official, which is what everybody wanted. 
and I want to, and I'm going to go to the mayor, and I'm going to say, you have to be held accountable for what you do, and I'm going to speak truth to power there. Mm-hmm. And I spoke truth to power across the board, and that's kind of where the line was, where some people said that's too far to go. And and I'll, I'm, I have no problem with that. I have no problem losing election for doing what I believe is right, and what will ultimately across the board make the city a better place if we understand accountability matters and it can't be just about the other guy. Jeff, how do you deal with uh, union members who call you up to complain about John Arena? Okay, yeah, this is an interesting conversation. Um, so I, I like to tell the members uh, that I, I talk to because, you know, there's a, a lot of different unions in our uh, fund. They live all over the, across the city. And there's certain issues in their ward that they take issue with. Uh, 5150 was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I don't live in your ward, and it doesn't, I'm not going to say it doesn't affect me, but it's not my issue. If that's an issue, you live there, that's your thing. But are they good at City Hall? Uh, do they fight for the workers? Uh, John was a part of the privatization ordinance. He helped. Uh, he fought for retiree health care for a long time. He was the guy that if I needed something, I'd text him. And he got taken care of. Uh, budget hearings and stuff like that. He would ask the hard questions. He was doing what needed to be done from like an automatic level and from like dealing with City Hall. Yeah. The ward issues, that's where I'm kind of like, I don't live there, you live there, you figure it out. Um, and so it's a thin line to walk, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, with that. And, you know, we were just talking about it a little bit. Uh, the 5150 issue, like I said, I was hands off, uh, whatever, you, know, you build it. And I, you know, I heard all the issues and everything. People would, um, would always, you know, I, I was telling them, I got people that sent me uh, text mm-hmm. messages and Facebook messages of people I'm not even friends with. Hey, you know, they'd see on social media that I, you know, I had an event with them. Hey, John, John Alderman Arena, hey, here you go. And did you know what he's doing? Do you know what he's doing? You know what he's doing? I'd, uh, when I was running for re-election for trustee, people would ask me, what's your thoughts on John Arena? I was like, what? Um, and, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and so... <laughs> You know, I'm seeing things now where, you know, uh, John's, uh, I don't, I I can't even tell if it's real or not, but it was something with uh, Robert Murphy. And it's the, you know, hey, he's connected with Robert Murphy and how that's going to play out there. And I don't know if that's true or not. I don't even know what is. It was something going on on social media. And, you know, social media with, you know, with the members. Um, That's Robert Murphy, not the former disc jockey, but Robert Murphy, the uh, alderman Um, candidate. And, you know, it's it's the 5150. That issue could have played out. I think that that he wouldn't have uh, he would not have lost the election uh, if with the 5150 issue alone. I I think a lot of it was from 41. A lot of members there. I don't think he, you know, he would have lost the north part of the ward, but the south side would have carried him, I think, because. what was the numbers that you uh, 3,000 more votes than last time came in and that's why somebody was telling me that you got the same amount of votes right yeah I got I got about 53 5400 votes which was about the same amount I got into the runoff the last two times nobody but thought was, that the other ones there yeah. was there was you know there look there's a there was a very um I'll put it this way I figured out a way to get Republicans to vote in <laughs> municipal elections for the first time in but uh, Here's my, here's my there's question. A, there's yeah. a contingent of, of, of folks up there that, or anything I did, yeah. like I said, and then layer on the issues with city workers who I've been a defender of and yes. I'll continue to be a supporter of unions and, and their rights. Because by any objective measure, the things that I've done, the amount of union work and development that's that's been happening in the ward and will continue to happen in the ward, you know, there isn't a measure where CFL shouldn't endorse me. The It's it's the fact that there's a familiar relationship between Gardner and the steel workers yeah. and, and uh, sheet metal workers and then the local too. But Well, th- let me just say this is my day defending Alderman. I was defending Nick Spazzato <laughs> earlier today, uh, and now I'm going to fel- uh, defend Arena here. I was there, uh, was at South Shore High School, 
in mm-hmm. 2011, and I was shy. I was there for a hearing, and part of the issue on the table was the privatization ordinance, mm-hmm. Jeff, that you just yeah, alluded right. to. Yeah, exactly. uh, in other words, Mayor Rahm and his infinite wisdom wanted to privatize a worker, a water department employees. Yeah, the call, and, the call center. Yeah, yeah, the call center, call center. and it was going to give good, again, uh, jobs that require people to live yeah. in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give Arena here a shout-out. I was stunned. Who walked into the room mm-hmm. but China Arena from the 45th Ward? I was on the South Shore. I was on the far yeah. south, uh, yeah. south side of Chicago. I had never seen a 44th Ward Alder. <laughs> resonant, you know what I mean, in South Shore. Love, love so it, I give you credit for standing with those uh, water uh, employee sure. department. We stopped three one one from getting privatized. Exactly three one one privatized too. But now here's my question. This is the one that I don't have an answer for, and I want to know your opinion. Where you ran off the rails, obviously, was the social media aspect, right? Uh, with that whole, you know, I'm sure most of your listeners know about that. But is there a way? And I get that, you know, if, if you say that you stuck to your values and all this other stuff, I, you know, I respect that. Okay. Um, and it, is there a way now that, if you think about it in hindsight, that you would have done that a little differently? I mean, because that issue, like, like I said, fifty-one fifty, you don't lose the election. I don't think personally. Mm-hmm. But that social media issue and the way that took off with the city workers, was there a different way that possibly, I mean, because I'll be honest, I've thought about that. Like, was there a different way that this could have been handled? I'm, I'm sure there is. I mean, the, uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, there'll be more introspection about it. I've, I've thought about it a lot. I mean, do I, I just not file any of those complaints? You know, that, that makes it just a social media issue. Um, you know, the, the, you know, that stuff, those complaints weren't filed till a year after there was uh, involvement from the IG. We were getting complaints. The part of the story that doesn't come out on social media is we were getting complaints from constituents, regular constituents that were watching this dialogue and were saying not because they were targeted or, or they agreed with me or disagreed with me. It was that what they were hearing from folks um, that worked for the city, that represent the public safety sector, that they didn't want to rely on was troubling to them. And so we had to make a decision, an ethical decision, about, well, how do I represent them as constituents? Um, I don't know. If we made the wrong decision, we made the wrong decision. At the time, um, you know, because of the, the, the amplified nature of the rhetoric, um, you know, you're in battle mode. You're trying to defend. You're trying to, to have a an honest conversation about something that you believe in that will ultimately benefit your constituents while you're being berated daily uh, over and over again, and the truth just can't cut through. So, yeah, I mean, it's on me. We took we took the action. I, I don't shy away from that. Um, and the results are the results. But I never took this job and said, well, the way I'm going to the way I'm going to lead is by saying how do I con- how do I have this job in four more year- for four more years, and because I just don't believe in that I don't mm-hmm. believe that's what we need to there were even even if you take this one issue the complaints off the table the conversation around density development on the northwest side has never been an easy conversation and there isn't a corner of the ward where I haven't introduced some measure of density. So, you know, some people say in politics, you know, you start making enemies on day one and you can stay in it as, until you until you make enough enemies. I, I, I definitely yeah. you know, figured out how to do that in, in an eight-year period. Uh-huh. 51% of the war enemies, yeah, yeah you're in office till then. Yeah, I, but, but again, I didn't take the job because this is the job I want to do until I'm taken out in a box. Yeah. I don't believe in that. I ran against the guy who was on, under that 
mantle. My mantle is we need to do things in this city. We need to take on hard fights. We need to have conversations. You know, I voted for the largest tax increase in the city of Chicago's history to defend public sector pensions. Um, that wasn't an easy vote, and but it got me things done in the ward. It got things done in the ward that we weren't going to be able to do without generating that revenue, like building an annex on pressing or putting schools on uh, fields on hitch and more classrooms um, in St. Cornelius School. John, uh, you and Jeff have been alluding to fifty-one fifty. Just take a moment to sure. explain. Some of our listeners probably do not know what fifty-one fifty is. Uh, it's an address. Tell yeah. them a little bit, just briefly, what fifty-one fifty yeah. is. The address is fifty-one fifty North Northwest Highway, directly across the street from the Sixteenth District Police Station. Um, it's in a kind of a mostly industrial segment of corridor that's within proximity to the Jefferson Park Transit Center. It's the the building itself. It's a a, a, a split site. One is a storage center a storage facility that's under construction now and then it's a seven-story 75 unit building that is mixed income so it's 15 about 15 units of market rate and then 60 units um, that are sliding scale affordable so you know 60 percent 30 percent and 15 percent of area median income so this is what when I, when you look at the demographics of my ward financially based on the census you take an average block in jefferson park where this building is is mm-hmm. That's the demographic financially. We have folks living in $650,000 homes that were just rebuilt from the foundation up. And we have uh, 75 year old pensioners that are trying to figure out how to fix the roof on their aging house. And, and this is the constituency that I represent. And I'm clear eyed about that. And that's why I thought this was something that's needed in our community because there are people like Joel Baum that lives one block away from this and is bedridden, hasn't been able to get out of his you know, garden apartment for three years um, because there is no affordable elevator served buildings that serve somebody like that who served our country as a veteran and has lived in Jefferson Park the majority of his adult life. And so we have to condemn him to that. Why not build on an empty piece of land that's been sitting there for 15, 20 years not producing? And so that that complex is coming. It, uh, it is. Your defeat does not in any way jeopardize uh, 5150, no. correct? Okay. No. All right. Now, uh, let's move away from local politics and talk about what went down yesterday in the Chicago City Council. Love to get both of your thoughts on this one, uh, Jeff Johnson and Alderman John Arena. Uh, John, uh, we'll start with you. Lincoln Yards got the City Council approval on the zoning aspect zoning of it. Aspect. So there's still one more vote to go. Which is the TIF. The TIF itself. Your and again, subject. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, here we go. Three, three hours <laughs> later. I, I lit the fuse. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I said okay. the magic three letters. <laughs> oh, my God. It'll be on my tombstone, Mr. <laughs> TIF. Uh, and, and trust me when I tell you, John Arena, I didn't start out this way. It probably would have been on my tombstone, Mr. Bull, okay? I was really into the bulls. Anyway, all right. So uh, <laughs> so there's another vote to come on this thing. There is. Uh, got, I'm going to look on the bright side from my pr- point of view. 14, Alderman, I believe, was 14, yeah, 14 voted no. The notion that you get 14 people to vote no on a local issue, all right? Because generally, Alderman is king or queen of zoning and is their award. Not always the case, but generally that's... So the local Alderman, Brian Hopkins, loves this deal uh, more than I love the Chicago Bulls, if that's possible. Yeah. More than I love pizza. Uh, more than I love fried chicken. He really loves this deal, all right? Uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody loves a tiff deal more than I love fried chicken. But anyway, um, 14 people voted no. Yeah. So I... 
take that as progress, Chicago. <laughs> Glacial progress, because as we all know, Jeff Johnson knows as well as anybody in this room, that if you freeze the amount of property taxes that come out of that TIF district for the next 23 years, which is what we do when we approve a TIF deal, we cannot raise property taxes from that development to pay those pension obligations that we have, to pay our yep. our, our uh our firefighters and our police and our teachers. And yet, Mayor Rahm got on the floor and said, and, and your old pal Jolton Joe Moore from the 49th Ward yeah. second name got up and said, this is a good vote to pay future property taxes. Yeah. John. In 23 years. In 20, yeah. yeah, maybe, unless they extend the TIF. <laughs> there's always that possibility. So when you see such a level of unbelievable ignorance espoused by the people who are supposed to be leading the city of Chicago, do you get frustrated? Do you? Yeah, because this is the same debate we've heard. And let me, I'll take one step back. This, this particular zoning change is not a local zoning issue. This is recreating a new downtown, uh, a new lakefront along the river. This is beyond uh, what I said on the floor was the constituents that live in this little polyp off of the second ward. His con- <laughs> Brian Hopkins' yeah. constituents are on the lakefront in the Ukrainian village, and then the, the spine that connects those two in this yeah. little polyp that includes basically an entirety of old manufacturing in the Finkel, Finkel Steel and the troop. There was no residence here. The residents are in the 32nd Ward and the 43rd Ward that are across the street, and they're the ones that, by calling it a local zoning issue, you're ignoring the fact that they are. this is where they're going to be in the shadow of this. The debate on the council floor is always about these kind of narrow tropes, right? Well, this is a local issue. Um, TIF money is, you know, is going to be invested. We don't have the money to build bridges. But the underlying um, reality is a zoning change of this nature, going from M something up to what is essentially DX zoning, which is what, what you will al- allows you to build a high-rise like downtown building, 600-foot building, 60-story building, 70, 80-story buildings. Um, that creates an enormous amount of real estate value that is right now pegged at zero and will go up to billions. Mm-hmm. Um, it is within that where we should be asking the developers to build bridges, roads, lights, and infrastructure, not in saying let's sequester that additional property tax revenue, have them have them um, build the stuff at their own bond issue, and then we pay them back with interest over 23 years. This is what I said on the floor, and what I continue to say is that if we change the nature of how we look at TIF and how we use it, this is exactly the this is rehashing the old way of looking at TIF that we don't have the money now, but if we create value, we'll have it in years. The problem is the developers are running away with bank over that time. Yeah. And that's what the analysis that the city won't do because it's an old dog and you're trying to teach new tricks. Uh, Jeff Johnson, how do your uh, members generally view yeah, this? Yeah, and this is what I mean. It's a thin, it's that kind of tightrope to walk because each crane is roughly 1,800 union jobs start to finish. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking 60-story buildings, uh, infrastructure, uh, street lights, all this other stuff. It's putting members to work. And so it's like, all right, that's the you know, that's the one side where it's like, hey, this can be good for you know for the mm-hmm. the, the union trades, and then it's the other flip side of like, well, okay, take off your private union hat and put on your trustee hat, and it's like, well, that nine hundred million, like uh, Alderman Wagespeck said yesterday, what about the pension uh, obligation? One point three billion. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what about the pension payments we have to yeah. make? Right. So mm-hmm. it's that thin line to walk, and some of them, the members, you know, are kind of like torn on which way to yeah. go on that. 
My, uh, yeah, my argument is that you're going to build these buildings either way, right? either way yeah. in Jefferson. It's not like you yeah. have to incentive. It, this isn't Jefferson Park where you have to fight the fight. This well, is here's the other deal. Lincoln Park. Yeah. Um, uh, here we, whoops, I just uh, dropped it. My, paper uh, down, paper, paper down. down. Honey, I got you. Uh, look up a campaign uh, that my good yeah. friend uh, Ed Maher's uh, promoting. Talk about the, all the infrastructure needs that we yeah. have in yep. the city of Chicago. I'm showing uh, our Alderman Arena and Jeff Johnson the pictures that Ed left here. The bridges. Of bridges yeah. deteriorating, infrastructure, really important infrastructure all over the city yeah. of Chicago, yeah. not just in yeah. uh, this little polyp, which is... An interesting word. All right, we're going to take a brief break and come back with our bonus segment right after this. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, man, take us home. Oh, I love that. I love that. I don't know where he found that song. <laughs> he found that song. I love that song, you know. Yeah, it's just in the library. Oh, man, Dennis playing the keyboards there. Yeah. Just a little, cool little thing to close <laughs> down the show. Our, this is our bonus round. Bonus <laughs> hour, folks. Ben loves the bonus <laughs> hour. But uh, before we get uh, with Jeff and John here, uh, we want to give a shout out to our live streamers. How's it going, guys? Thank you so much for uh, listening to us live. And a special shout out to the live stream chat room. Uh, more of you are joining us every day. Thanks to Michael, Odessa, Brett, Jeff, Ron, and John. All of you are fantastic. Tell your friends, yes, we live stream. Also, uh, we have a question uh, on our Facebook and Twitter pages. All right, at Benny J Show. Just find them. The question we're asking on our Facebook page, we're asking, oh, Beto O'Rourke, he just yeah. announced that he's running for right. president. So the question, Beto for president? We got a lot of comments. Keep the comments coming. We'll read more of those tomorrow. And we are taking a Twitter poll. Uh, once again, Beto for president. Yay, nay, or <laughs> That's the question that we're asking all, right. all of you. Uh, head over to the Twitter page at Benny J Show on Twitter because there are folks who download. We're keeping that open until the beginning of tomorrow's program, and we will re read the results right now. Nay in the lead. So if you're feeling Beto O'Rourke, you better uh, go <laughs> tell your friends to get on that Twitter page and click yay. Uh, we will uh, read the results tomorrow. All right. Very good. Uh, I'm a millennial here. He knows how to do that Twitter game. I'm uh, no Carlos Ramirez Rosa. No, but he's getting there. You're getting there. All right. All right, uh, before we uh, let you head out the door, uh, Jeff Johnson, let's get a prediction out of you. The next time I see you in this studio, the election will be over, and uh, either Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot will be our mayor. I know your union has endorsed Lori Lightfoot. I'm going to ask you to be a prognosticator 
All right? I want you to predict who do you think our next mayor will be? I think uh, Lori Lightfoot pulls it out. Um, right now, I kind of think it's hers to lose, all in all, this race. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, let's be frank here, uh, May 21st, you're going to be sworn in. And what, budget season starts roughly September, and you're going to have to find $280 million just in new revenue for pension funding. So, yeah, you're going to have a very short honeymoon <laughs> as far as, you know. Um, and so, yeah. I would say, I wouldn't wish that job on my worst enemy. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think Lori pulls it out, and I think that it's under five. 575,000 votes. So All right. It's going to be a low vote total. And you're going to see a couple incumbents get uh, bounced out, too. I think uh, there's, uh, you know, with uh, the, the ward races, uh, there's a lot of, I think that it's the, you know, shake things up uh, mentality where you're going to you, see a lot of. You want to make some predictions on that or you're not ready to make those predictions? People go to Vegas and put money down yeah, based on your no, predictions, young yeah, man. No, nah, you got to keep okay. that. But, yeah, I think there's going to be. There you go. <laughs> this the prediction. You're going to see some uh, more turnover. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he ducks and dodges on the prediction issue. I don't blame you. All right, John Arena, two-part question. Number one, who do you think will be our next mayor? And number two, uh, what are your future plans? Sure. Um, I think Lori's going to take this. I think I think the city's looking for somebody who um, doesn't have the baggage of the Democratic Party, per se, like Tony. She's, I think, whichever way it goes, we've got good options before us. Um, I like Lori as mayor and, and Tony continuing to, to do the good work that she's been doing at the county and create stability. I don't like the idea that um, we, ha- we finish up the mayor's race and then we got to go into a special election for uh for the county president right after that and then get ready to go into the the the, the presidential primaries that are coming up to 2020 no, i can't wait for those presidential so, primaries and those are right upon by us the way are you excited about beto o'rourke or are you uh, not feeling the beto uh i mean i liked i liked i saw him speak when he was running he came to chicago and i was at a fundraiser where he spoke and he's definitely a dynamic figure but with you know we've got a lot of folks to be looking at right now so you know you've we're, we're gonna we're gonna see Bernie Sanders speak. Were you again. a Bernie guy last? I just yeah, can't I was remember. A, I was a delegate. The two Bernie. of you were Bernie guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, Bernie Bros. Oh, Bernie, Bernie Bros. Bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. So so we have we have a lot of folks to vet out in the Democratic side yeah. of this and see what happens on the Republican side. And so what uh, what's next for uh, John Arena? Well, I mean, politically, I'm I'm the committeeman through you know. Uh, through next year, and I'm gonna. My plan is to run again for that. I think we need to defend um, progressive politics on the northwest side. Um, Jim Gardner, in a recent article, uh, told a columnist that he was going to run for it. And my concern there is, you know, because his base is a mix of kind of old school regular Democrats and a kind of a caustic alt right Republican base that's that seems to come out. Um, I don't think we want to see that uh, the progressive community that I represent. Well, um, and the real Democratic Party wants to see that take over um, at the county level. So I'm going to fight uh, for that. And then, you know, I, I, I'm two more months in this term. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to continue to do the work for the people that I was uh, hired to do. And um, we'll work on a tr- transition with Jim. Uh, hopefully he can get off to a good start and, and figure things out. But, um, you know, my career path has never been normal so i've been an entrepreneurial spirit for a long time um people are calling me they were they're wanting to get that together and talk uh, my experience with economic development and uh and housing issues and, and government process is is something that has value to it so i look forward to you know continuing to serve in some capacity all right very good that's john arena and uh jeff johnson thank you for uh, sitting in as well some 
grueling questions from Jeff Johnson. Got a future as a reporter there. <laughs> He's going, nope, not me. Uh, not me. What's that on my worst enemy? Anyway, Jeff Johnson, John Arena. And don't go too hard on Jeff, folks. Come on, I just want to say this. Jeff's a good man, all right? He just... Don't well, yeah, and that's what I mean. You know, me and you guy. were just close. <laughs> me and you were. I considered you a friend for so long, and it bothered the hell out of me the way that the race, that how this whole his whole trajectory took off. And like I said, I was telling him it just got to the point where his name was toxic, and it kills me because I consider him a friend. And then, like the business side takes over, I was like, well, all right, this is the business of it. And uh, politics is rough and tumble. Yeah, but I'll say this exactly. again: I started the show again defending Nick Posado, <laughs> and I'm going to close it. John Arena was there, city workers. I'm just telling you yeah. straight up, he was there in a privatization ordinance, and he's been there fighting the mayor on these TIF deals, which means more money that go to uh, city workers, more money to spend on salaries, more money to be spent on uh, pensions, et cetera, et cetera. So you got to give him that, you know. Uh, to be there. It's and uh, so, yeah, so uh, maybe those fights are behind us, although it seems <laughs> like we're getting ready for another committeeman's battle. Uh, anyway, Jeff Johnson, thank you very much. John Arena, thank you very much. Maya duke Sova in uh, at the 130 hour. Miles Porter, our editor, a fantastic job as always, and the man, the myth, the legend behind the soundboard there, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Oh, the ladies love him. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's funny. The young Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. We got Lori Lightfoot coming in here tomorrow, folks. With Mark Sims. Mark Sims. Oh, my good friend Mark Sims, the immortal Mark Sims, will be here. And Ramana Hussein will be here. Oh, the Ramana Rundown. The Ramana Rundown. Lots of good stuff tomorrow. See you then, everybody. Hey, remember, the Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by unions and a bunch of them. These hardworking men and women were kind enough to get behind us in this online podcasting experience. And we would like to thank the following unions for making this show possible. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Big thank you to those unions. And, of course, a special shout-out to our good friend Bob Ryder and the Chicago Federation of Labor.